what up? It's your boy. And I would like to thank you once again for kicking it with me here on the Lurk Report, aka the rippingest podcast in all of North Carolina. For episode eight, I drove myself way out into the cut to meet up with iconic Western NC skateboard legend Jared Lee. Uh, for those who don't know, Jared is a skater from Waynesville, North Carolina, who skates, in my opinion, at a pro level. Uh, but he's also a grown-up, well-respected member of his community and has put in a ton of work on the skate park advocacy front. Uh, we talked about what it took for him and his peers to successfully get a proper skate park built in their small town, so there's lots of good information here for anyone who's in a similar situation with their town or city. Um, he's a ramp owner. He's got one of my favorite backyard ramps I've ever skated, so we talked about how and why he went about that as well as some challenges and complications along the way. Uh, And I also want to shout out his summer skate camp program that I didn't know anything about before talking with him. So go check out at Big Brother Boards on Instagram. Uh, There's some nice, wholesome skateboarding outreach going on there that's sure to put a smile on your face. There's lots of cute little pictures and videos of little kids all padded up, doing some first drop-ins learning how to push, uh, all that wonderful stuff that takes us all back to when we were all green as fuck. Um, but Jared's a rad dude. I tried to dig up some dirt to, uh, put him on the spot with, but nobody gave me shit to work with. The guy's clean as a whistle. Um, so hopefully you guys will enjoy it. Nonetheless, uh, this man absolutely deserves a listen. So let's rip it. person but yo jared lee i'll listen to your podcast you're a sick motherfucker right on all right so what's up how's it going jared thanks for having me dude thanks for driving up uh yeah we're here in maggie valley and uh it's good to have you here and i'm excited to do this with you dude. maggie valley at the jared lee homestead <laughs> this spot is absolutely sick you got the ramp out in the backyard surrounded basically panoramic view of beautiful appalachian mountains um how how long have you been up here in this spot? I think I've had the house like going on twelve years and the ramp like eleven years now. Damn, yeah, a lifer. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I assume you kind of have no plans of getting out of here anytime soon either. No, nah, for years I kind of thought about like, is this really really where like, I want to settle down and be at? You know, and then I kind of made the decision. And looking back now, I think it was like it was a good decision you know like mm-hmm. we've got a ramp we got a skate park you know my family's here and it's like very accessible place to be so uh i'm not bummed about it but I, I love to be on the road if i can be on the road and see and be in other places yeah get as many experiences as you can in this one tiny little insignificant life we're granted yeah there's a lot out there <laughs> yeah um i mean dope though you've got quite a program out here you've uh 
thus far have been very gracious with letting out-of-towners come and skate your ramp. Every time I've been up here, it's been a complete blast. <laughs> so uh, maybe with the COVID stuff, it's been a little sketchy, but hopefully in the future that'll clear up and uh, we can we can start having some more raging wild sessions out there. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, it's pretty much a perfect super mellow super approachable mini ramp with a couple of extensions and bigger spots um which brings up the question how did you come to the decision of what the final design would be and what dimensions you wanted to go with really crazy story is that i got my house here in like maggie valley and at the time i'd kind of decided to settle here there was like an indoor skate park at the time and i had a keys to it and i was like that was, i was like well why would i choose to live anywhere else my family's here i get to be in the mountains i have a key to a private indoor skate park like no matter where i go i don't think it's probably going to get much better than this and i could actually afford to live here and you know that was and then that was right around 08 and then a recession hit and automatically i feel like skate parks were one of the first people that were hit by that Mm -hmm. you know and uh, so we just the skate park kind of went out of business there was no waynesville skate park didn't exist the public one didn't exist at the time and i just had this house in the middle of the woods and i was like i'm i'm building a ramp Uh and it was 08 so there was a housing crisis and so they had a first time home buyers thing where Obama had a thing where if you bought a house that year, you would get an $8,000 rebate or credit at that time. Sick. And I told my buddy who built ramps in the area, I was like, as soon as I get that check, I was like, we're building a backyard ramp. You know, I was like, mm-hmm. I live here now. I was like, I'm going to have a ramp if I don't have a skate park. And the day that check came in the mail, it was like a straight $8,000. I was like, called him. And I was like, it's, let's do it. And, like, <laughs> yeah. and it was one of the things from the beginning. It was just like, let's make sure we do it right yeah i don't want to be messing with this thing all the time was that eight grand enough to cover the whole cost of it or was that just a little buffer did it Uh, end up costing higher i mean you don't even have to talk about it if you don't want but no it's it's fine i think at the time i think it it was right about that maybe a couple grand more but that was like over like 10 years ago now so like now everything's like because we've added on since then and like other incidents have happened yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. And uh, so you uh, you got in the ramp owning business at the right time. <laughs> Lumber's like nuts these days, and a lot of the a lot of the dreamers out there who want to have the backyard ramp, it's uh, it's quite an undertaking. But do you uh, build it yourself or get some recruitment from friends? How'd that go down? One guy in town who worked at the private skate park when it was open, and that's where he basically learned to build ramps, and mm-hmm. uh, he was very good at it. And uh, he was like the one dude I, I trusted. I was like, if he puts his mind to it and he takes his time, like he won't cut corners. He'll do it right. And uh, I kind of just, I picked up lumber and, you know, drilled templates together. But it was, it was his thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just, I didn't know much about it. So I just yeah. followed his lead and it, it was all him. And then when we did the addition, that was like, I had one idea. I was like, maybe I want to do this and go to this section of the yard. And he was like, what about, what about this? And then he kind of came up with this crazy idea. And I was like, all right. Yeah, solid. I, yeah, I'm down with that. Shout him out. Who is it? This is Jeremy. His nickname's Perm, and he's like been long time. Like he was in the Waynesville skate scene for years. Just a fun character, dude. Sick. But, and he's and it's sick. He like he first started doing woodworking, like working at a, like an indoor skate park, like selling like hot pockets and Doctor Thunders and stuff. <laughs> but just from being at the skate park, learned how to build ramps. And like this day to this day, like now he has a construction company. You know, like a successful right. con- construction company. So it's like uh-huh. it's sick. It all started because he worked at a skate park for a handful of years. Yeah, that's dope. That's uh-huh. cool, man. 
Oh, the places you'll go. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> Sick. All right, cool, man. Well, uh, so have you always, did you grow up in this area? You always been kind of native to the, the Appalachia region? Yeah, I grew up like in Waynesville. Sick. And that's where like, I started skating. And You stuck pretty close to home, didn't you? Yeah, I, I did get really fortunate. Like right out of high school, like, I had opportunities with some like companies and some different people to like travel with skating and doing different stuff. Did that for like a lot of a lot of years where I was not in this area for very long. Like I would leave and come back home for like a couple weeks here and there and come home for the winter. And beyond that, I wasn't here very much. And that was really awesome. And then I, later in life, I kind of realized like after traveling enough, I was like, I think it's okay to be here. Like I really, I think when you're a kid, you always think the place you grew up sucks. And especially when you're in the middle of nowhere and it's a small town. But then after kind of travel around and seeing my options, I was like, you know, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, yeah. and you see that now, like, I think a lot of people around the surrounding areas are realizing like, oh, the mountains are like kind of a gem of a place to be, at least for right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's completely gorgeous. I feel like being surrounded by nature just does wonders for your mental health, especially yeah. if you're like, I know you're you're very outdoors geared type of person. And uh, yeah, just being able to get out and put yourself out in an environment where it is one of the most beautiful places in the country and you're cognizant of that and you've you've seen other places and you're able to appreciate what you have here. I mean, shit, why not just stick around and take advantage of it and live the mellow life up here? Yeah, I mean, to each his own, and each person is going to want something different. But I was like, there is a lot of variety of accessibility stuff that you can do here. And it's like, you don't have to have a lot of money. If you want to spend a lot of money to go on certain adventures, you can. But, like, you can do it real dirtbag style, too, you know, and go out on a weekend and, like, see something new and not spend a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a beautiful lifestyle. And, uh I applaud you for cracking the code and, and, and figuring out a dope situation for yourself. Well, and like the and like the, the ramp, it's like, I think I've always known from a young age, I was like, the backyard scene is like the best scene. Yes, dude. You know? 100%. Like, oh, dude. All right. Shout out uh, Frank in Chapel Hill. Shout out Mark in uh, Holly Springs. Shout out Curly in Durham. While I was living in Raleigh, like, you know, especially during the winter when it's dark outside at like five o'clock by the time you get off work, the guys who have the backyard ramps that, you know, have the weekly, you know, weeknight sessions that absolutely like that shit is what holds it down. And I have immense respect for the people that are, you know, generous with their property in that sense. And, uh, that's kind of a dream of mine one day as well. You know, I would love to be able to do that myself. Yeah. Shout out to those people for sure. I do. I do. I think it's like, that's like the funnest scene to go skate and yeah. hang out at the sessions are always so fun they're never like it's never jock style like yo i gotta do the hardest trick it's like dude you're chill like like you're hanging out as if you were just hanging out at a bar or a park or something but there's a ramp there and you're all skating and getting down and like hanging out with your friends so it damn was, dude who, who else has got some good ones out here backyard ramps yeah man there's like so many that i guess have come and gone Jason Lynch in Asheville. Dude. Yeah. He he built a vert ramp at the fucking house he was renting. Yeah. That's completely psycho. And I can't even remember all the names. And that, that's like sucks. But like, I do remember like the handful, like people in Charleston. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's just others that I just follow on Instagram. I haven't even been there. And I'm just like, I'm trying to get there, but just haven't got there yet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, gosh, like Lost Bowl. Like, in oh, Richmond. yeah. Like, dude, dude. Completely sick. Like, went all in. Yeah. You know, uh, so you've skated there before? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I did a trip up there with like Nick and like 
Aaron Collins and a bunch of that crew for Halloween. It was epic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, he, yeah, he used to do, like, crazy Halloween parties. I never went to one of those, but I've seen that there's – Yeah. It's, it's documented. It's immortalized. There's some funny-ass pictures and videos from those sessions. And yeah. I, I got super lucky. The first time I ever skated Lost Bowl was when I went to go visit some friends in Richmond, and uh, it was, like, the middle of summer, just hot as all hell. And they had the pool filled up because they got the swim skate, like, peanut bowl – and uh fully functioning pool during the summer so you could like get your lines in and then just like dive straight in the pool it's the complete dream scenario for a backyard so you could even do yoga It'd be like yoga days <laughs> yeah I was that's like i right. support this <laughs> yeah yeah shit i forget his name maybe his name is pat is that, uh-huh. does that sound right okay yeah. sh- shout out pat lossville you got it going on um sick yeah he did it he like he did it right for the community and i was like that was next level. It's like next level. It still is, you know. Yeah, yeah. And the first time I went and skated there, like I, none of like me or none of my friends really knew him that well. So it was kind of like, you know, is this guy gonna vibe us out? Is he gonna be bummed? Just absolutely not. The polar opposite. Like super hyped on us being there. Like interested, making conversation with us. Like I was like, yes, this is how we need we need more pats out there. Yeah, good people. I tell you another backyard one that every year that I've sad that went is gone. What was what's Frady? was it who wasn't raleigh but also the chatham county showdown one that's right dude yes i um i did a little bit of a deep dive research i went back and watched some videos of you and you had a clip there where you did a backside <laughs> nose blunt like nose blunt slide at chatham county and the fucking crowd just went bonkers like everybody was super hyped on that so let's uh let's dissect that one what was the set the scene for us what was uh, the scenario behind that event uh Every year they would call it the Chatham County Showdown, and it was down like this backyard bowl down near Raleigh. It's really kind of like I've always thought it was very similar to the Cherokee Skate Park middle section bowl, Hmm. which I just think it's fun. It it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of different options. You know, you could go down there, party for the weekend, skate, see all these people you don't get to see all the time. Like to me, I was like, that was literally my most favorite skate events to go to. Like I would always try to go to stuff that was like backyard oriented. Yeah, all I know was the back snows one. Took too many tries, and uh, and there's definitely some beers flowing at yeah, that time. So the, yeah. the the crowd was more animated than maybe they would usually be. So to yeah, speak. it gets wild. Like next thing you know, like the whole flat bottom's just covered in cans and like <laughs> beer. Like it, it's amazing. Like there's so much random stuff, bands, and just you don't know. Like you don't know what you're gonna get. Yeah, you know who who did it wild was uh Frank with the skip the beach party at mm-hmm. the bowl. Yep. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know because you were there on, I think, the last one he did. Yep. And uh, if my memory serves me correctly, you and the twins, who I definitely want to talk about at some point because they're like an enigma. Those those guys are fucking amazing. Um, You guys drove, I assume, all the way from out here, all the way down to Chapel Hill. You're probably talking three or four hours. You get out of the car, and it's kind of starting to rain, and it's like, oh, fuck. So one of the twins just like drops in and immediately does a back boneless on the biggest fucking thing there. It's like some plexiglass extension that wasn't even part of the ramp, like the most psycho shit you could possibly do there. It's like wasting no time out of the car, straight to the biggest gnarliest thing we could possibly do because we may be on a bit of a, a time crunch here with the rain coming in. It's the truth. That's why you got to have those dudes because they have that energy. Yeah. Like they are going to carry that energy to every session and it's like, I wanted that. Yeah. I was like, I wanted the kids who like didn't care that were like, yeah, 
I'm going to straight out of the car, backbone was like live or die right now, you know? Yeah. And it feeds you, you know? I was like, yes. Yeah, that was, that was completely mind blowing. Uh, just a, a funny ass situation. Uh, yeah, g- give them a little shout out. Tell us about who the twins are and what they're what they're about. Dude, Ronnie and Levi, come on, let's go. You boys, <laughs> y'all, people message these kids and get these kids out skating more and more and more. They're too sick. They, like, they make you want to skate. Basically, just two just local kids right here, small town, but had, like, started skating and just kind of stuck with it. But, like just raw yeah and just didn't care like no regards for your body but just like skate and destroy you know yeah. and it literally was like skating your session could be an hour or it could be like five minutes or and you could just be sitting out the rest of the session because you just got hella broke off <laughs> you know but it's like dude they lay like it's i would, I would say it like it's that thrasher like skate and destroy energy and it's like when you're around people like that like it makes you want to get some mm-hmm. and i'm like I always was like, anytime you want to skate or y'all want to go on a trip, like, let's do it. But they're wild cards. Sure. You know, it's like, but that's, it goes with it. You yeah. know, like you might not get the crazy, like skate and destroy attitude without this other, like. Yeah. They're characters. You mean people, those people are characters, you know? Yeah. That's, that's clearly why they stick out to me. Like any sort of interaction I've ever had with them. Like they do have big personalities and then they skate big too. Like they're some fucking wild, like wild hogs. You know what I mean? So shouts out to them. Big fan from afar. Hopefully we'll skate sometime in the future and you can get my lazy ass to actually try some gnarly shit. Yeah. Ronnie and Levi will get you going. Come on boys. Let's skate. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Levi yeah. like roll like the biggest blunts and just stay stoned as all possible. <laughs> and they'll just hang out and just skate and just be a part of it. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I have so many funny stories of them. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. You care to share any, any memorable moments that come to mind? One, this is like, like just interesting. Levi was here one night on a skate night and just Nori just has like, just, smoking weed and has weed on him and whatnot and like he was here with some other guy who didn't really skate it was just really cool and stoked to be a part of everything and like they left here that night and the next time I saw him he's like you know like we got pulled over like leaving your house that night he's like we almost made it to the interstate and he's like we got we got blue lighted and um he said that they had some like natural scent spray and he's like I don't know we just sprayed this natural scent spray and he's like the dude I was in the car with just grabbed like a trump hat He's like, he's not a Trump person. He's like, threw it on his head. And he's like, we kind of got away with everything. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, it kind of worked. Genius. And I was like, solid. (laughs) (laughs) Nice, dude. Yeah. That's good material. I like it. While I don't condone rocking Trump hats, that's uh, that's like wearing a disguise. That's like really, uh, that's pretty sly, huh? It it is. And it's like, it's kind of like... That's like the, that's the territory, you know, I imagine it's pretty red out here in like this rural kind of backwoods little cut of the mountains. For those who don't know, we're like 45 minutes west of Asheville, a little small town up here in the mountains. So, you know, like I think almost like a similarity to that in a whole different way is like, you know, I'm friends with John Hill, who's like this YouTube personality type person. And like, he stayed here with a bunch of guys and they did a bunch of YouTube stuff at one point, you know, and like, to each his own. 
own, but like he like he, like I saw what he did like with his YouTube stuff, and I was like, the more people hate on him, the more attention like he gets, and that reality that like kind of helps him in the position that he's at yeah. you know so it's like if you hate on him you're almost even drawing more attention to him which really helps so it's like it's kind of like he's playing the whole system of everybody else and it is kind of like funny when people find like those yeah. those avenues like oh cool hate on me like you just made me more you just made me more monetized or whatever it is in the YouTube world yeah you know? damn which brings up the point I haven't got any haters sending me any hate mail for the podcast yet <laughs> Where you at, haters? Come on. <laughs> I must be doing something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. All right. Neither here nor there. Um, let's talk young Jared. I want to know about the the little version of you and when you first started to discover skateboarding and kind of what interests as a kid shaped you into your situation now. Cool. Um, yeah. Grew up little town Waynesville. My parents definitely just gave me the option to try to try whatever activity I wanted. And I was definitely kind of like an ADD kid where like school was hard, paying attention was hard in that kind of atmosphere. Like I like to be doing stuff. Let me try a lot of sports. I really enjoyed all of them, you know, and then got into middle school and I kind of like deal with skaters and I could just already see that like punk rock, like lifestyle a little bit. And I'm like, I don't know. It, it lured me mm-hmm. and I would like walk up to the public library every day and like wait for my like mom or dad to pick me up. And there was a parking lot that the kids just skated in and you know, they didn't hardly have anything out there, but I was just like, I don't know. I could just see like the freedom in it. Like I was so used to like structured, like sports activities, like a coach tells you what to do, when to do it. You know, you have the team, like everything about that. And I think I just already had done that for so many years that I just saw that freedom. I was like, I want to be a part of that. Plus I was just curious about stuff and they just seemed like they had that like rebellious, like a little bit like attitude of like, we like, we are doing what we want to do and nobody else is going to tell us what that is or isn't. And I was like, definitely at a young age, like allured to that, you know, for better or worse, like in some good ways and some bad ways, you know, where next thing you know, you're like 13 or 14 and you're like, just, you know, you're smoking weed and you're like, (laughs) you're, I think you're dabbling in stuff a lot earlier age. And like, I feel like a lot of, kids did you know yeah. which is like a double-edged sword in mm-hmm. a lot of ways yeah but i mean if you grow up in like a well-to-do almost sheltered situation if you're blessed with like a good home life and everything then the counterculture aspect of life is not really it's something that's so far away from you that you can't help but be interested or curious about it you know it's true yeah and i've heard a lot of skaters kind of have like a pretty similar origin story to what you're describing right now yeah um, Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, do you remember, like, kind of your first skateboarding moments or early times where, like, you got kind of hooked on it? I would, like, I was so nervous. Like, I automatically got a board. It sucked. Broke it. Like... Was it just, like, a cheap toy board or something? Yeah, toy board. Broke the trucks automatically. Like, (laughs) it was just garbage. And then finally got a real board. But even before I would go out to that parking lot and skate with these guys, like... I would skate in, like, my little quarter sack, like, below my parents' house, like, under the street, like, like every day and night, you know, just so I, before I went out there and skated with these guys, I felt like at least a little, like, what well, I knew what I was doing, you okay. know, and then, like. So, you could show up with a little bit of chops. Yeah, no, like, I don't think it mattered, but <laughs> okay. to me, I was just like, I want to feel like I know what I'm kind of doing, you know, and yep. then finally went out there and I met all those guys. And just typical skate community, just super welcoming. I mean, we were definitely already some age gaps. You had the high school kids, the middle school kids there, you know, but like 
everybody was cool. And it, and it was, it was still in that like early time of like where skating still wasn't the coolest thing, you know, especially like if you're in a small town, you know, like you were that literal yeah. outcast kind of personality, you know, or the losers or. Yeah. If you could guess what year, what year do you think we're talking here? <sighs> you're probably much better with math than I am. So I think I was like sixth or seventh grade. So you're probably 12 or 13. Uh, yeah, I was 12 or 13. Okay. But I'm not, I'm not sure what year. I think my first real board was like a birdhouse, like Willie Santos. Like if nice. that like tells you like a time frame and the alien workshop, like the missing link one, which still to this day, you're like, that is an amazing graphic. You Rad. know, like, cool. But I'm super bad with numbers. <laughs> All right. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll sniff that one out. <laughs> you don't do math too good. No, it took me a lot of years to get through some math classes. Yeah, you can skate like a fucking madman, but when it comes to numbers, that's your kryptonite, huh? It was. That's why you had to get somebody else to build your ramp, huh? That's right. And I'm not a proud of that, but it's like, I think, you, I don't know. Yeah. We all have kind of strengths and weaknesses and <laughs> sure. you can work on all that stuff, but. Nice. Sometimes you let people be good in the areas that they're good at. You uh-huh. know, and you're like, I'm a servant. I'll help you out. Yeah. <laughs> Do you got any memorable firsts, first kickflip, first tray flip, first ollie down a set? Because I guess at this time, there's no skate parks, were there? No. Okay, gotcha. And like kids today, like it's so much different for them. I have to think about the reality of what they grew up to when I grew up in. Like going to a skate park was a big deal. Like you went to Knoxville or you drove to Charlotte. Like I remember my mom just literally driving me three hours to Charlotte to skate the Mecklenburg, like old school, like blue metal ramp part oh blue ramp that's what it was well at least that's what everybody yeah. called it yeah damn and that's when the first time i saw like the like the older skate heads of that time like the dudes had been a part of like the nc like skate history thing like when i saw people i was like oh my gosh like you're this person and you're that person and like, the name chuck powell ring a bell yeah Sick. dude like ray goff steve uh he lives in portland uh steve neal okay you know just like yeah, and I don't know. It was like influential to me, but yeah. like that was a time he, it was like a big deal to go to a skate park. Like, yeah, you had to drive like really far. So yeah, we didn't none of that around here. I automatically kind of got linked up with like an older skater who literally was like kind of like became like a mentor type fella to me, and like my mom like trusted him to like drive me to other cities and like mm-hmm. take me places skating, and she kept a good read on it. But I think she knew he's like, oh yeah, they're really just going skating. <laughs> That's like all they're doing, mm-hmm. and. uh so that was helpful because like that broadened like my horizons of the whole thing. And then like, I think once you start traveling and you start seeing like, there's so much to see out there as far as like, if you're a skateboarder that like, you kind of get that like adventure wonder lust of it all. And later on, like, I think for Christmas, uh, somebody in an adjacent town had like a tiny, like two and a half foot little mini ramp in their garage and they were having to get rid of it or sell it. And my parents got that for me for Christmas. Solid. Yeah. And so, like, I had that in, like, my tiny little parents' yard growing up, and it was, like... Oh, you were hyped. Dude, I never learned, like, airs really good, but, like, I learned lip tricks, like, really good because I had, like, a two-and-a-half-foot little ramp, and I would, like, set my little boombox, like, out my window in the summer and just, like, play, like, Metallica CDs, like, with my friends and just, like, just... Just get some. Just learn stuff. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah, from a very young age, it's like, dude, a mini ramp, like, having a backyard ramp is, like, really nice. Yeah. Yeah, especially if uh, you're fortunate enough to have friends that like gravitate towards you and like they can come and skate at your house so you're not having to bother your parents for a ride to go to wherever and whatnot. Yeah, and we didn't have anything else. There was no skate park. So to have a ramp, and it's like when you're in a small town, 
fortunate there's spots in Waynesville. It's like people come through here and skate these spots and destroy them, but like there's like f- four or five good ones. And when you've skated that for like a, a amount of time, it's just like you just burn on it. Mm-hmm. You know? Like you've done what you feel like you can do, and it's yeah. just like. But I was looking through your Instagram, and I think you posted there was some kind of like retro skate park sort of thing in Waynesville, like back in the eighties. Does yeah. that ring a bell? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know about that? I've always like it, like always had heard about it, mm-hmm. and then. A couple years ago, I really tried to do a deep dive on it. And I was just like, I was like, I want to get photos. And like, I want to do a t-shirt or something of this place. Like, I want to do a t-shirt because like we had started like a summer skate camp program like a couple years ago. And I was like, I want to do a summer skate camp program with one of these old vintage photos of this park or something. And it was like really, really hard. I kept reaching out to people who are part of that area era or knew uh, the business owners at that time. And I I just couldn't find any photos. And then finally, crazy, some random woman who doesn't even skate said she saw some photos on this like Facebook page and she's like showed it to me and linked me to it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like Sick. I've tried so hard to like find this place. And then all these amazing photos, but, uh, I don't know much about it besides I was like, it's crazy. There's a grocery store there and a sagebrush. And that's all I've ever known was there. Uh-huh. And there used to be a concrete skate park in Waynesville. Like that, Dude, that's wild. That many years ago. Yeah. Especially when skateboarding like barely even existed on the East coast. Yeah. Like, like, it's hard you know, to believe. You, yeah, you hear about, like, the early skate parks out in California, and, you know, you can watch documentaries on that all day, but the fact that some, but maybe it was privately owned, maybe the town put money into it, who knows, but, yeah, a concrete skate park in a small rural town in the mountains of North Carolina in, like, the 1980s, that's pretty much an enigma that's like a crazy thing and and super interesting that you were able to go back and find some pictures of it is my um my very first skate park i went to is also like washed from the internet like i can't find pictures or videos or anything of it and i really wish i could go back and you know like kind of yeah yeah you know which one was that uh, you know relive the nostalgia it was a park in mooresville called Dwayne's world the Still second second world yeah second time it's come up on the podcast shout out Dwayne's world um but yeah what i remember about it was it was indoor and there were like pool table there was like a pool table like a ratty pool table and there were like dusty old couches and they were blasting like new metal because it was the early 2000s and i was a little ass kid and like dude i was like this is fucking crazy i had never seen like you know, punks or anything like, whoa, these people are dressed so different than me. And like, look at their baggy clothes and like that dude's going down a rail on a skateboard and it's so loud and crazy looking. And like, I've, I saw that in the video games, but I didn't know that like people around here could do that. And, uh, it was a wild experience. Just a private indoor park in a little town, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think it lasted very long or anything, but I mean, yeah, there's like little, little milestones of skateboarding that really stick out to you in like your early years. And that was for sure. One of them, yeah. like I, it's probably my first time ever going to a skate park and I learned how to drop in while I was there. Yeah. It was sick. Yeah. You don't forget that. No, not at all. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So where are we at in your timeline? You've uh, just kind of assimilated into a crew of skaters. You're maybe like early teens. Yeah. By the time you actually started skating with other people. Yeah. Around. I mean, it was by eighth grade, like mm-hmm. I was, I was skateboarding. I was like, dropping off sports quickly gotcha like yeah. and, uh, and it was like the hard for my mom because she was like it was just skating is hard for like a parent to be involved with yeah and she was just like she went from like dropping me off to practice where she knows i'm in a controlled environment with like an adult to like 
I'm dropping you off uptown all day long as like this teenager to roam around. I don't know where you're at. There's not, you know, it's not cell phones, you know, and just trusting that like your kids like not getting in the stuff. And, um, it's a leap of faith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 But dude, my mom's the best for sure. And like, it's not really fair for me to like talk about like my growing up experience to like kind of not talk about the part. I was in that teenage kind of skateboarding rebellious phase and also like a lot of curiosity where I like wanted to try, I wanted to experiment with like drugs and drinking and all that stuff and like dabbled like in all that stuff. But the older mentor skater who like really kind of like took me under my wing like he was like this christian guy mm-hmm. and he was very much a person who kind of lived it more than he preached it and so i hung out with him for years you know and then so like i had a whole like definitely a part where I mo- my life like where i was just like a christian skateboarder you know like mm-hmm. and then i ended up going like being a part of like christian skateboard teams and going on like christian skateboard trips and like that was like a really big part of my life for like a lot of years and it's like still to this day like i'm trying to like map through like what all what all that was but there was parts of it that were very good because like at that young age like i had got into that stuff very quickly at a young age and then very quickly like i became a christian and like thought you know like was thinking like whether it's real or not real, like I changed or like how mm-hmm. I thought about stuff changed and I got out of that stuff very quickly. By the time I was like mid high school, like I wasn't drinking anymore. I wasn't smoking, doing nothing for years. And I think a lot of people, that was the time when they got into it really heavy. And I could see like even my other friends, like starting to drop off from skating because they were just so distracted. But like, I've got a car, I'm, you know, I'm partying, I'm doing this and that. And like, I didn't have that, yeah. whether it was because I was a Christian or because I had skateboarding. I was like, I don't care about that. I'm just trying to like go out and skate and do stuff. And it really yeah. helped me stay focused where I like literally just skated all the way through high school. And then it allowed me opportunities like right out of high school to like start traveling, mm-hmm. you know? So it was a big part of like my early skate life. Sure. Was that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think a big misconception about faith in general is that like it doesn't really have to be you know, is it fact or fiction? Like, I think faith kind of serves the purpose of like, it's a really strong moral compass, you know? And it's some, it's like a guiding light. It's like a North star you can look to, to navigate all the crazy chaos and negativity that comes at you in life. So you, yeah, you yeah. said it perfect. Like I could elaborate on that, but like, I don't even like feel any like, cause looking back on it, like later now in life and like still trying to like, you know, all that stuff's like, it's pretty hard to figure out, you know, like, mm-hmm. but I, I, I stand exactly where you stand. I was like, it is a good compass of just trying to like figure out how to like leave, live a good mm-hmm. guided life. Sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's rad that you were able to like, that you kind of had someone that you could look up to that happened to be a positive influence as opposed to a lot of people get into skateboarding and they're surrounded by negative influences because it's skateboarding. It's about breaking shit and fucking shit up and getting fucked up and doing drugs and fuck authority and whatever, you know, say the negative connotation that's associated with skateboarding by the general public isn't completely false. You know, there's a little bit of that stuff that exists in it. And, uh, if you can kind of navigate that, maybe dip your toe into the party lifestyle or whatever, but you know, not get lost in it. then yeah, that's exactly it. And it helped me, like it did, it like helped me out a lot because, I felt like I would if I wouldn't have had that that guy or my faith at that time and skateboarding like I would have been that kid who like by the time like high school and then if I would have even made it to college like I would have just 
partied out. Yeah. Like I would have had no structure. Like no, I wouldn't have enough foresight in the future to even think it would have been the here and now, like live for this moment. And I don't know. I'm super grateful that like that combination of those few things, like gave me some structure or just direction of like in a positive, positive outlet, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so was this guy that you skated with, was he, was he good? Was he like showing you the ropes, like getting your skills up? Was he motivating you to get better? Or, yeah. Like, cause basically what I'm asking is how the fuck did you get so good? <laughs> <laughs> well, I got a shout at this dude cause he is a part of like my skate life and his dude's amazing. His name's like Rob Dolman mm-hmm. and like old consolidated videos. He was really good friends with Scott Bourne who was like an old NC guy Okay, and like this man of faith but he was sick like he drove old vans like we go up on the parkway and like he would like drive his van against a guardrail like he would just like just bump his van up against the guardrail and grind the guardrail just grind it it was sick it was all like harmless stuff really like he was now gonna go out and like spray paint somebody's property but he would grind his own van (laughs) and do just just rowdy stuff and i was like i mean he has clips and like old consolidated videos like doing that and uh yeah, he was the first person, that, yeah, that started taking me places, and then he's the first person that kind of got me, like, on a company that, like, allowed me, gave me opportunities to travel, and yeah, he was good. Hell yeah. For sure, that's he was rad. good. Yeah, I mean, shit, that's the best way to progress when you're, like, young and impressionable, is just escape with people that are better than you, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, at what age did you realize, like, you were maybe advancing a little quicker than your peers who were the same age? Like maybe was it the first kind of sponsor type of opportunity or yeah, I'm just curious as to how you navigate that because yeah, a scrub like me never, uh, never had such an opportunity. <laughs> I quickly like realized like within the little Waynesville thing, like early high school that I was like, I think I want this more than like most of these kids do. Like Sick. I'm just like going to, I wanted to spend more time doing it. I didn't, like I said, I didn't care about like going partying and doing all this other stuff. Like I was like, I just want to kind of skate. And then just started progressing and that guy was getting was sponsored by this company called mana at the time and they were going on like a summer tour the year i graduated and he kind of just like did this ultimate skate bro thing and he was like hey i got this kid i skate with if there's room in the van could he hop in for a little bit and they were like yeah and they just let me hop in for like a month and then those people ended up being like hey like you can be a part of the team and like, we can just keep this thing going. Like if you're down and I was like, this is like, I mean, if I had to make a choice at that time to go to college or something else, I'd have been really confused and it'd been hard. But like, I knew at that point, I was like, I'm getting to like, do what I want to do. Like, I know this, like Mm -hmm. I'm getting to skate and travel. Like, and yeah, you can't really ask for much more at that time. No, sure. Yeah. It's kind of a dream come true. Yeah. Um, I mean, shit, at what point did, like, filming videos and, like, kind of taking skateboarding to, the, like, to the higher level start to register with you? Because I know you've got, like, a decent amount of footage. I don't know how far back it goes. Did, like, a little YouTube search, found yeah. some videos from, like, maybe eight, ten years ago. Um, what were some of the first experiences you had, like, filming and documenting your skateboarding? Like, yo, this is something that I'm good enough at to, like, advertise and display and put out there. Uh, Me and, like, one of the guys, like, I basically who was my age that I grew up with skating was a guy named Chris Marion. Um, for very early age, like we got the little like high eight camera and with the little mini fish eye lens and started filming each other oh, and like edited yeah. it on like a VHS tapes and like Dope. trying to like figure out how to go to VHS, you know, to high eight and all back and forth and how to edit a video. And so we started like messing with that 
But then we had shortly after that really sick. We had always had like this crew called like red hatchet here in Waynesville, which was like always like the local skate crew and a guy named Kerry Webb who does, who rides for push oh, and yeah. does a lot of editing and stuff for them. Like, just talented skateboarder talented at videography and editing he kind of like took it on like i'm gonna start making local videos for this area with our crew and like it was like i would buy a mac literally just so he could edit on it i would like i like bought a macbook <laughs> and i was just like you just take this i just want us to have a video so we can have a premiere and oh, get our friends shit. together and like have a contest like get i bought a camera and i was like you just be in control this because i don't know anything you know but i just want this to happen and so like we had did like doing stuff like as a small group in waynesville for years which was sick but then like i was also like going on these trips like intermittent trips where i was like doing stuff with pretty much just like christian companies okay and then we were obviously they are doing the normal skate thing too where you're like trying to get photos and you're 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 filming for some project sure and not big stuff at the time yeah, a uh, couple that came up in my uh, deep dive research were uh, Porch Life. Let's uh, l- let's get into that a little bit. So uh, <laughs> I don't remember too much about it off the top of my head, but you had an ender in Porch Life, yeah? Uh-huh. Was that Carrie Webb's first video? No. Okay. We did so he'd like been... yeah. There was like probably like two or three before that, but it was so small at the time. You know, yeah. like I think they might be on YouTube, and probably like the sound on them is probably like all pulled from music rights and and mm-hmm. whatnot but there was two before that and i just like the video process and we had like at the time like we had the indoor skate park so we could do premieres i was like sick. oh sick like let's do a video because then we can have a premiere and we can have a contest and all these people will come here and we can just have a night we can have a full lock-in oh, just a bunch of teenage kids those. and we kind of <laughs> had access to the skate park and it was like amazing and we always did like ladies get in free <laughs> like <laughs> It was like four bucks to like get into the video premiere, but if you were a chick, you could just oh yes, because we get knew right we'd get more it, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a hustle! <laughs> no, that's hilarious. I totally remember indoor skate park lock-ins being a thing. I think that's like such a funny concept. I never did any of them. Gnarly. Yeah, just so fucking annoying. I, if <laughs> if I were a grown up, like in charge of supervising all those kids while they ran rampant through all hours of the night. Uh, respect to all respect. the to all the indoor skate park employees that uh, made it possible for us little shithead kids to run amok and have fun in a relatively controlled environment. For yeah. sure. Yeah. So what what were the what were the names of the indoor skate parks in that era? It, it was the one here was called BP Skate Park. Oh, I remember. And one it was in, good. I remember one in Hickory. Is that the same one? No, which. That was crazy because we kind of bore similarized the same name because they were like a borders paradise and we were like BP and I don't know who which one was first or whatnot but okay. it was like it was good and yep. that's like how at a time a lot of good kids came out of Waynesville because it had an indoor skate park that all these kids had access to all the time yeah like a top notch facility yeah Sick. it was dumb at a period of time like the amount of kids that were ripping out of this area. Like we were going, you know, like I was doing like Tampa contests, like Tampa Ams. Like we would all go down there together and travel. Like, and then we were, we were just like rowdy kids. Like they were younger than me at the time. But it's like, dude, like they would run the moat race. Like when they still did the moat race at Tampa, like one of the kids like did it in like a thong and his tight t-shirt. We got it like a Goodwill the night before. And like he got in Thrasher and it was so sick a few months later after the Tampa articles out. And like our buddies from Waysville was like, 
in the moat with a thong on. That's fucked. <laughs> it's like, dude, it was like, and we would just do trips. Like it would become their spring break, and like we'd rent a minivan because I was like old enough to rent a minivan, and like oh, yeah. we would go to like Myrtle Beach and down to Daytona. But I would like always try to like go to places. I was like, this is like important for like skateboarding. Like we'd go to Kona, you know, and we'd go to like Stone Age Skate Park and like do what I was like. This is what we're supposed to do with skateboarders. This is sick, you know. Yeah. Just get in the van and can go visit places. Nice. See if you can rack your memory and uh, bring up a favorite BP moment. Maybe a victorious trick that you battled for, like the first time you learned something you were really hyped on. It's uh, it's getting to the woods here. Okay, that's a deep. That's a real deep dive. I know you got it though. Yeah, there's. I feel like those early skate park years are so formative and. Yeah, well, you can watch like some of the, like the BP like best trick contest footage from like one of the premieres, and still to this day, I, like I watch the skating in it. And I'm like, damn, that's, those people are doing some like high level, doing man. some really good stuff, Gnarly. you know. Um, I don't know. I, I did a couple like transfer gaps from like just like you'd have one quarter pipe and then you'd have like an open space because like back then like it was weird though. You would go to skate parks where it'd be like weird open spaces, mm-hmm. and you know, and there's just like nothing between this quarter pipe and this bank, and just doing like. Just just trying to like do airs and airs to fakie over these big gaps and different stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Well, nowadays, like I think, well, you're you're very well rounded in the sense that I've seen some hucking, I've seen some rails, but what stands out to me is like a lot of your transition skating. But growing up in a town that didn't have a skate park, at what point did transition skating start to come into the mix more, and you started? resonating with it and being like this is what i enjoy i can push this and get really good at this you know having a two and a half foot mini ramp at my house when i was a kid i think that was for sure the start of it and then we would always from a young age like hanging out with those older guys visit backyard ramps and skate parks and i was i mean i was a zero kid at the time you know like that was like my influence was like zero like I was telling somebody the other day, like when like Thrill of It All came out, I think, or maybe it was Welcome to Hell. Like Jamie Thomas, like he skated in like the Sal twenty threes, and he it looked like he wore no socks. Maybe he wore tennis socks, and I didn't know that at the time. But <laughs> okay. I was like badass. I was like not wearing socks, <laughs> didn't wear socks like all summer in shorts because I was JT. And dude, we get done with sessions and go to my friend's apartment, and like I take off my shoes. Like I rotted my feet off <laughs> trying to be like trying to like emulate like somebody I thought was like. I was like, this dude's the sickest, and I was like, yeah, bad move. <laughs> but yeah, that was, but then that's I was like, it really into transition because I was like, naturally felt kind of good at it. But I was like, I want to jump down stuff. And I think when you're learning, you don't have the technicalities because you see kids who are learning who like, really all they got to go to is like, I'm gonna try to hook my body down this, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, yeah, I'm gonna try to fifty fifty the rail. I'm gonna try to ollie the biggest gap. I'm gonna try to one eighty the biggest gap, you know? Mm-hmm. And then as you skate longer, you kind of actually gain some skills oh yeah where you can do like other stuff sure yeah yeah i'm trying to think of uh not that i have like much transition skills but what really helped get me to a level where i was at least comfortable skating transition was having like a solid mini ramp at the local park you know where it's like really simple you kind of go back and forth it's very approachable and it's not like hard to figure out it's pretty basic you know but um yeah, did BP, the premier indoor skate park in your area, have a solid mini ramp set up? Yeah, we had oh, a solid yeah. mini ramp. And obviously, that helped out a lot. Totally. We skated it a lot. And the older mentor in town, he, like, who I grew up skating with, he had a little mini ramp in his garage. And even when he would go out of town, he would be, just be like, yeah, y'all can just come skate. So me and my buddy, you know, at like 16, 17, would just go over there, turn the lights on at night and just stay there till like 10 or 11, you know. And like, it was great for us, you know. So we yeah. just 
it was easier for me than trying to be a technical skater, mm-hmm. you know, like at the time. Oh, yeah. It was interesting because like you, you're able to take a lot of technical tricks to transition with like kind of your style and your trick mm-hmm. selection. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of have your own, uh, your own thing going on. Like, I don't know a lot of people that skate like you and I mean, you have like a select few tricks that I haven't seen anyone else do too. You know what I mean? One that stands out to me is, uh, you do a lot of the, uh, fakey three shove to nose blunts. I've seen you with that one out on like multiple sessions and that's a pretty far out trick. Like usually you would think of a transition skater as like someone that just like does gnarly grinds and deep ends and like blasts big airs and stuff. But you take technical tricks to transition which uh, maybe that's, do you think that's just a result of you skating a lot of different types of stuff when you were growing up? I think still to this day, I just like to tinker with like skateboarding. And I feel like transition is one of those things, even with, even as you age, like if you kind of tinker with it enough, like you slowly, you learn tricks and you get more comfortable. And I just became like really fascinated with that. And like, yeah always was into transition always loved it and like always like was a fan of that type of skating like anti-hero people as i got older and like that style i was like yeah you you skate this and you skate that when i broke my ankle like that even but that even changed it kind of a little bit more because like i came back from like a broken ankle and i just like oh shoot like my ankle don't flex like it used to like i don't feel like i used to feel like i had like a lot of pop where i could like and when you have a lot of pop it makes a lot of things very accessible to you mm-hmm. you know rails like not as scary a lot of things not accessible if like you have a pop that you trust and it's quick you know but when you don't feel like you have that like very quick reaction time like you you adapt you know mm-hmm. and so i was like training i was like shoot you don't have to have a lot of a pop you just gotta be willing to like just figure it out you know yeah yeah so what happened with breaking your ankle <laughs> about how old were you and what was the scenario crazy story come on crazy okay uh, I was riding for a brand called Untitled Skateboards right now, or at that time, and uh, I had been doing like I had done Tampa AM the year or two before that. I had done I had done well, and I had done well at some other what, like uh, damn am events. What, what place are we talking? I got twelfth. Holy oh, yeah! I was in the finals. It was the damn. year Sierra Fellers won. Come on, yeah, dude, that's like, amazing. Yeah, and so. And I was doing like these like mini rep contests that Vulcan put on every year in Orlando and like, like, you know, skate against people today who are like, like Grant, you know, like Grant and Colin, like people like I look up to like at that time, like those are dudes are skating against. And like, it would like, we would like stagger like top three a lot, you know, in these contests. And then I was like traveling with this untitled company and they had a budget and they were running ads in Thrasher and I'd had like a bunch of ads in Thrasher at like a young age. And then they were like, hey, go do Tampa this year. We'll send you down there when you're done. Like, let's turn you pro, you know? And I always knew, I was like, I'm not ever going to be like this big time pro, but I was like, I could, you know, for a small brand, I was like, I don't feel like I'm cheating the system, you yeah. know, like. Get my, get my piece of the pie. Yeah, Sick. I was like, I was like done what I felt like was a respectable skateboarder was supposed to do at that time. And gosh, it was just so crazy. And this is like really where it like, kind of like my faith, like took a weird, just, where everything became very like I wasn't sure where I stood with stuff was that mm-hmm. I had like got up that morning to a hotel and I'd like was staying with a bunch of people and I like went to the pool and like I'd actually like read scripture and I prayed and I was just like you know just I pray but I remember more than anything I was like I just prayed for safety and then went to the contest that day which I don't know if it, everybody says it but like if you haven't been there like Tampa Am is stressful 
it's not fun for most people. Like it's hella stressful and it's hard to skate. Like you're nervous and it's like so many good people are there and you can't really practice. Like took my first run flawless. Sick. Later on the next day I qualified, I qualified eighth that day. I didn't even have to take my second run, but of course you would never not do that. You know, um, second run dropped in. Like I tried to just slip slide this like long flat bar flattened down, like, tried to hold on to something I shouldn't try to hold on to because it's a contest. I'm yeah. trying to make contest, contest, make it Yeah, just completely like smoked my ankle. Like it was so like really smoked it real bad, Fuck. but didn't was so in shock for a second. I didn't even think I was like, nah, maybe I'm good. Yeah. You know, like straight my ankle. Cause out. you're like, that can't possibly happen to me right now. Exactly. You're just, yeah. Complete like pain. There was no, there was no pain. Like, Fuck. like, I mean, I talked to friends later and it's like, I thought your shoe like just kind of like turned around, you know? And I was like, Dance. it was like visibly like yeah. gnarly, yeah. like gnarled out of place and everything. Yeah. That's crazy. Real bad. Like I, out of, I don't even like talking about this. Cause like I'm a skateboarder. I don't want to hear about this shit, but like instinctually grabbed it and put it in the right direction. <laughs> Didn't, not a thought in my mind. And then I still had the audacity to think like, can I still skate? <laughs> Tried to stand up and it was like, Nope, something's wrong, you know? Gnarly. And it was like on Fuel TV and everything because I got interviewed by Fuel TV about it. Like, I got worse slam that year. They like, <laughs> sent me like a package of like iPods and <laughs> iPod for <laughs> worse slam, which was not worth it. But anyway, so like my deal with like Untitled was at that time, they was like, go to this contest. Like, no matter how you do, like, we turn you pro after this, hmm. you know? And then like this happened, you know? So it was like in the hospital and then everything that led after that for like the whole like year or two after that was like really really challenging and weird and like skateboarding was hard and then once I finally got better I tried to make like a really like big push I was like I gotta like really try to skate like I've missed so much time and I like went to Asheville with a photographer and tried to shoot like this kinked rail and I just did a stupid thing where I just kind of like jumped off and bailed and like tried to just run down the steps but I just like rolled my ankle cranked it again huh? Off, uh, but it was the other one. Oh god <laughs> and I, I i thought i'd broke it but i like i had it but i destroyed it but i was like i was supposed to go to england the next day on a skate trip like Damn. like people were paying me to go and be there for a week and do demos and stuff and you know it's like i had to call these people in england and be like i'm sorry like you just waste this money but i was like there's no reason for me to get on a plane so it's like for like two or three years i really went through like, some internal stuff where it was like never a question of skateboarding but it was just like my faith and like what happens now like what is this yeah so yeah, big bummer. Yeah. But, um, well, shit, I mean, everything happens for a reason, you know? Uh, and I mean, I guess you were kind of saying, like, maybe you didn't really have intentions of making it as, like, a big-time pro, but at this point, like, you've gone through this, like, really self-defeating moment of, like, well, shit, you know, maybe, maybe like, it's not in the cards for me. I got dealt a shitty hand or whatever. Uh, what was your process like of working through that and, you know, like, well, shit, yeah, I guess just talk about that a little bit. Like, what was it like bouncing back from this kind of, identity change where you're like you know maybe i need to look at other things like maybe like skateboarding as a professional isn't going to work out for me uh how can i work through this and how can i get to a better place like what's next for me yep got back got skating again knew it wasn't not it wasn't the same as it was Mm -hmm. still loved it yeah all i thought about all i wanted to do uh, I was kind of, you know, I kind of started having like sponsorship troubles at the time. Like I was like on audio, like, and they were like really taking really good care of me at the time, like super good care of me. 
and like I was like own independent, you know, like I had my name in one of the ads and stuff, like stuff that I was like, gosh, this is like bucket, like this is stuff I'm so stoked yeah. on, you know. You keep all your ads and stuff. Yeah, I keep. Yeah, Sick. I have. Yeah, Dude, I, I would love to take a look at them if you don't mind uh-huh. after this. That, that'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, yo, Sturgill gave me an entire book of like old DVDs that from like you know old mm-hmm. home videos. Dude, I love that kind of memorabilia shit. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But that's rad. Sorry to cut you off. No, it's it. I'm the same way. I want to see all that old stuff too. Yeah. But then, yeah, I mean, it's, it's skate industry, and I just, I, and I was. I lived in the South, you know, like I wasn't in the hub of it. I wasn't in California where I was like with the brands and all the companies. And I just, I kind of started just having like the sponsorship trouble where it was like, I stopped getting the travel call a little less. And, you know, I found myself here in like Waynesville a lot more often than I had been. And like, I was like, I got to do something with my life. I was like, if these trips are going to get, keep getting so much more far in between, I have to have something to support myself in between these, these trips. But I was like, if somebody invites me on a trip, I want to go. I don't want to be so tied down to a job. I can't go. And I had always kind of dabbled in like mowing people's lawns and stuff when I was like home and just needed spare money or just hit people up for spot, like spare jobs. And yeah. I was like, I'm going to start a lawn care business. And if I'm going to have a couple of guys that know how to help me with this. And if I get a chance to go on a trip, I can just be like, could you cover this for a couple of weeks while I go do this trip? Genius. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I didn't mind work, you know? Yeah. Um, so I was like, I started this lawn care business, like basically added like reminiscences of the broken ankle thing and just knowing I needed to like be trying to do something. Uh-huh. So I didn't just like pile out trying to hold on to this like skate dream that, you know, maybe could have happened, but maybe not, you know, kind of grew it super grateful for it it's like what i do to this do this day you know Uh like it it pays for my bills like the spring and summer you know and it's like it's a work and it's grind but it's like i kind of make my own hours i'm not i'm not bummed on it and it's like i don't know exactly like if i'd have kept pushing like the skate thing like i don't know i just seen so many like it's crazy that you can look at skateboard magazines like people that are so predominant in those magazines so much for a couple of years, like two years later, like you might not ever see that person in a magazine again. You're like, Oh gosh, yeah. I forgot about that guy. Like, what is he doing now? And yeah. I always think about that with like skaters, you know? Sure. Yeah. You see him all the time. And then you, they disappear like very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's still a lot of life left. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what age were you when you started the lawn care business? Same thing. Numbers are numbers in years. Like uh, I'm just curious because I think of everyone's story in terms of my own, you know, I'm like, Oh, what was I doing at that age? You know, like at that time, are we talking probably like 15 years ago? Okay. Because it was before I got my house and I guess I've had my house 10 to 12 years. Hmm. Cause I mean, I first started my business cause I had got like a little trailer that I parked at my parents' house and I got like a little work truck, you know? Uh-huh. And, uh, I just started trying to like build customers and do stuff like that. Sure, yeah. And then like, is that job like what allowed you to finance a home? Yeah. Sick. I have, I mean, I have a winter, a winter gig, which like you came and visited today, like, which is like a ski and snowboard shop that I help manage in the oh, winter so, months. Yeah. So you've been there for like a long time too, huh? Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, I was brought into that place originally because like my skate friends took me snowboarding and I was like, that was fun, but I can't afford to do this. And like a working at a shop allowed me access to like product and a, a free ski pass. Hell and they yeah. sold skateboards at the time. So it was like, Hey, come sell skateboards for us. And I was like, yeah, I will. You know, like that's what I want to do. And to be a part of like a shop culture. I mean, still to this day, I'm like, I'm just glad to be a part like of a small shop culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, between those two things, like 
it allows me to have a house and like pay my bills. And I'm really, really grateful for that. Cause I was like, I don't know. The skateboard thing doesn't work out for a lot of people, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot hard for a lot of people who like give everything to it their whole life. You give so much of your time and your effort to it. And I mean, dude, there's a pretty <sighs> short list of people that have like made it quote unquote out of North Carolina, you know? Yeah. And it's not impossible, but the odds of it happening are pretty fucking slim, especially yeah. considering like situation like yours when you had all the talent in the world, but just got dealt a couple of shitty hands through injuries and whatnot, you know? Yeah. Um, but I love the fact that you found a way to kind of spin it into a positive and like, well, you know what? I can still be like self-made and I can carve my own path and starting your own business is a hard fucking thing to do. Anyone I've ever talked to that started their own business. I mean, it's not simple. It's not a feat to just kind of shrug your shoulders at. So yeah, I appreciate you uh, kind of opening up and giving your perspective on that and hopefully it kind of inspires other people who may be in a difficult situation to take a little more ownership of their life you know yeah i mean and you hear about you hear about this a lot you know like skateboarders that give everything to it and they're so a part of the industry and then you get to like you maybe like my right at your 30s and then you you have that sponsorship trouble and you get dropped and it's like it is hard to find life skills or like find like your identity of like what do i do now like you like you've already like you've lived the dream and then it's like it, it can go quickly and then you, like, you don't have life skills or you don't have anything built up and it's not like mowing yards is any skill but like I wasn't like 30 and like just trying to figure this stuff out you know I had yeah. time before that to be like alright I need to figure out a way to like carve away and make a living sure that, that's pretty dope and uh and I mean just from the outside looking in I mean you have a a pretty solid thing going on here with uh I mean running your own business owning a house in a super dope part of the country got your own ramp i mean i would hope that you don't feel like you missed out on any opportunities or like somehow aren't living a fulfilling life because one sort of dream didn't work out for you or whatever you know yeah yeah and that's kind of like the hindsight and you as every year goes on you kind of learn something more about or think about something maybe different than you did you know for so many years i struggled with like the skate injury thing and that you know and i'm like now i kind of be like like you know like there is stuff that worked out that became very good and positive out of my life. Like, I don't want to be hurt. Like, but I gained something out of that time that I wouldn't have gained had I not gone through that. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, of course. And, um, I mean, anything that you do for a living that you love, it's kind of hard for a balance to be struck. And I feel like not being a professional skateboarder and relying on it for your income allows you to participate in the activity in a more pure way and i know that you've done a lot of kind of outreach running summer camps skate lessons that kind of thing and finding your own way to participate in the culture and give back to it and still be involved potentially in a way that's even more fulfilling than being a professional right yeah yeah cool so let's talk about some of your um i know you've done a lot for like skate park advocacy in western north carolina um i don't know much about it but you're briefly telling me about skate camps stuff like that mm-hmm. so what have you been up to on the, the outreach aspect of skateboarding i mean i think the 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 biggest thing that happened was just getting the creation of the waynesville skate park mm-hmm. you know i life first, hammer <laughs> that's amazing man yeah. and it's people be i always hear people say like oh jared help jared got this for us and it's like that's not true there's a lot of people mm-hmm. i stuck in there for a lot of years and i was like very persistent you know, but yeah. a lot of people, 
I, I first started going to town meetings like shortly after I started skating because there was no skate park. There was a skate ordinance in town. So I would get in trouble all the time with the cops. And yeah. the cops would like call my mom at like 11 at night and be like, caught your kid skating. And my mom was awesome. She was like, hey, when you catch my kids doing something that he shouldn't be doing, you call me. But don't wake, wake me up at 11 at night and tell me you, my kid was skating a post office in town. Like, I don't, if that's the worst he's doing, leave me alone. And, <laughs> and but she was also like, you got to do something about this. And she was like, putting me under there, you got to go to town meetings. You, Sick. You got to go sit through these things, these things that completely suck so that you can get up and share your two minutes of why you think a skate park makes sense in the town. And they're not going to care. But if you show up every single month and sometimes you'll show up with five people and sometimes you might have 10 people at a point, somebody like will have to listen to you yeah, because you're the squeaky wheel okay. and it sucks. And so like only because of her did I know like this is what I do. So she set you up to accept the fact that failure was probably imminent and it wasn't going to work out for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so you weren't you weren't like going into it expecting immediate results. Yeah, but I'm a skateboarder. I'm persistent. I was oh, like, yeah. I was like pissed off. I was like, I know this is a good thing. Yeah. I know if the town did this, it would make sense. It, it would, would rule. Work. Yeah, it yeah. would work. Yeah. yeah, and I knew that, and I was just like, so I was like, that gave me enough to be like, I'm going to work for this. You know, later we got an indoor skate park, so like I stopped going to meetings. I didn't have to. As soon as the indoor park closed, it was like I'm going to meetings again. And we rebuilt that momentum. And then, you know, at at some point, one of the aldermen in Waynesville, who is now the mayor, was like, I'm going to make this my project for y'all. You know, and he would travel with my mom and I to like other skate parks and talk to them about how they got a skate park. And he was like, I'm going to see you through to this. And uh, he saw us through it to the end. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like the next, you know, we got like a really dope skate park in little Waynesville. Yeah. You know, that I still trip out of it. I'm like, I can't believe we got this. (laughs) Yeah, me too. it's one of my favorite parks in North Carolina, to be honest. Like, I, I love the way it turned out. And, um, do you have any input on the design front, or was that kind of just yeah. outsourced? Okay, yeah. sick. Yeah, not throwing no shade, but like originally the company I was contracted to do it was like Spawn Ranch, and I was like not the biggest fan of some of their stuff, but I was like, it was so hard to just even get a skate park. I was like, I can't fight the town for everything. You know, at a <laughs> yeah. point, you're like, all right, you're going to give us a skate park. I can't argue with you, like, who's going to do it and everything, mm-hmm. and then like stuff happened with the town and we ended up with artisan which was great but even when spawn ranch was still there i had like kind of like at the time you know like the island at waynesville which is like a china bank the whole thing is just basically mm-hmm. a china bank at that time i didn't feel like i saw those at many skate parks and i was like that's a fun obstacle you know it's like a tranny a tranny bank you know mm-hmm. and i was like i want that and so i kind of like that was my main thing i was like every time that we would talk to design people to the town i was like i think this is a fun obstacle and i'm super stoked that that finally that carried through to the park artisan came in and kind of like changed around a lot of stuff but they made it all for the better yeah like they got stuff in the like they got the ramps taller than i thought we were going to be able to get in the town i thought originally they were going to try to keep us at like this like four foot level basically type thing so it's like it's for like liability and stuff yeah and just saving money you know it's like if you're a small town it's like you're just like not trying to be choosing you're like i'm just grateful you're gonna give it to us i'm not gonna i know what's rad mm-hmm. but it's like how much do i want to keep fighting at a point you just want to skate park same thing that boone's just went through it's like you know how long do you fight but also when do you want to skate park how long do you want to have to <laughs> yeah. wait yeah you know? true like so how many years in the making do you think it was from when you first started advocating it to like breaking ground i mean i have photos of me like at town meetings at like 14 Holy shit. But then, obviously, the whole period of the indoor skate park had no need to be going to town meetings. Yeah, you know, but okay. as soon as that was over, like, we 
And, I, and you know, after that, we built a wall because we had a skate scene at that time. Mm-hmm. So when the skate park closed, we had all these skaters that didn't have a place to skate no more. Yeah. Like they had a place every day they could skate and no place. So it's like when we'd go to town meetings in, we'd pack it out. Oh, yeah. And I don't care. They have to take notice of you because you disrupt the whole thing. And like I've kind of learned that like I'm a part of like government and like boards and stuff now. And if like, I've kind of learned, I was like, there's like a there's rude ways to do it and there's appropriate ways to do it but sometimes you have to just let people know like we're here and like we'll keep showing up in numbers and that's what skateboarding has like skateboarding doesn't know that like I'm not saying it doesn't know but it's like we have community and it's yeah. like you can pull together and like if you pull enough people together long enough it's like these people have to listen to you I mean sure yeah shit I mean it's power in numbers that's for sure right? and you're not pushing something whack totally you're like, yeah this who is- doesn't want a skate park in their town yeah yeah this is a good idea. It's like forward thinking, you know, like you're really thinking about your future and like stuff like that. Yeah. So, something really sick that's going on down in my area is like uh, both Kannapolis and Mooresville have skate parks on the agenda for the next, you know, I'm not exactly sure when they're going to happen, but I heard from down the grapevine that each town is trying to like outdo one another and have the better skate park there's there's like a little competition going on of like who's going to put more money into their park and it's like there we go we might end up with two really fucking sick parks i've heard good things i've been here i've heard those like little talks too like that's exciting yeah yeah it's cool i mean you can't really bank on it happening soon you know that's a bummer like honestly where i live I live like 30 minutes away from anything decent to skate. It's it's a bit of a bummer, you know, and like nowhere really I can skate at night, which is unfortunate. Yeah. So, but I mean, the landscape is changing, like more of them are popping up. And I feel like if you look 10 years into the future, we may be in like a really good spot skate park. I think so too. So, I think so. Yeah. Like the future, I mean, cause kids today, like they just come to the skate park and they're like, they don't realize like, Ben you just not have this like people fall a long time to like get this and you just you can just show up at these places that are so accessible you mm-hmm. know but it's cool like i mean the same thing around here it's like there's stuff happening every town it's like there was an article in like one of the local newspaper about silva the town adjacent to us like they're talking about one but they're in their same situation as like boone is i'm like you're a college outdoor town that is your whole community is based on outdoor recreation how are you not is this not in your wheelhouse of things you're talking about mm-hmm. how is your government like missing that this is a thing, you know, yeah. but they are finally talking about it. And in the article, they talked about like, well, Waynesville has one, Highlands has one, Franklin's talking about talking about one. It's like, yeah, yeah. builds more momentum, right? You know, and they listed in there and they're like, these are some of the most highly used uh, outdoor areas that we have. And communities, like rec park people are saying this, is like, we built this and this gets more, more use, more consistent use than about anything else. Sure. Yeah, yeah. It's rad to see. And, uh, I remember in the early phases of uh, lobbying for the Boone Skate Park, we were able to get like a testimonial from maybe the mayor of Waynesville or someone in the Parks cool. and Rec Department that, you know, wrote out like a few like, yeah, our, this facility is the most used. I've seen it used in every temperature, every hour of the day. Like, yep. And because uh, a lot of people who run small towns in these rural areas are older, stuck in their ways, maybe a little departed from what's actually the best thing for the youth and the community. Um, but hearing it from a credible source, like the mayor of the next town over that creates a lot of buzz and a lot of, a lot of momentum. So they had their doubts too. Like I remember Waynesville, like it was always like, 
it was like there was these doubts. It was like this is a lot of money. Like we don't know if this is the right thing. And like it makes me just so happy. Like now that they can take pride in it, that they can talk to other towns and be like, oh yeah, yeah, we did this. Uh, yeah, and for this, sure. And they can take pride as like we got the skate park, even though it's like originally they were the ones that were like kind of the barriers for us. Like we had to convince them <laughs> yeah. that it was a good idea. But I'm super happy. I'm like it's like the the rising you know tides raise all ships. It's like dude, we all get to like benefit from the fact that this was good for our community. Mm-hmm. You know. Dude, rad, rad stuff. Uh, tell me a little bit about uh, what you got going on with skate camps. We started Big Brother Board Skate Camp a f- few years ago. Basically, my thing is we had this amazing facility in Waynesville, and I would be there skating all the time. And I would see, like, parents show up with little tiny kids. And you have, like, you know, people like me and people from out of town who are just zipping around the park, you know, and you would see like kids being real timid and you would see parents being like, no, like I don't like parents would stop me and be like, I want to help my kid be involved with this. But like, I don't even know how to step on a skateboard. Like if this was basketball, I can help them dribble a basketball. But it's like, I just don't even know what to do, you mm-hmm. know? And I was never too big on the lessons thing. Like I worked at Woodward when I was 18, but I was just never like, I never learned by skate lessons. Yeah. You know, I was just never how I learned. I was like, if you want to learn, you just got to spend time with it. And that's what it is. But I would talk to these parents and I was like, I want there to be another generation of skaters using this park. Like yeah. I want it to constantly be new people coming in. And I was like, I can go right now to the rec park and I can get a go to volleyball camp. I can get swim lessons. I can go to a basketball camp, anything that was out there. But I was like, they're not trying to do anything with the skate park. And I feel like a skate park's like anything else is like, you can't just let it sit there and expect it always to thrive. You need to be having events. You need to be having stuff going on. Like you need to keep the stoke stirring, mm-hmm. you know, like even if you have a good place, like keep it going Yeah. and pour into that. And so like, that's how I approached them. I was just like, look, I was like, y'all are offering everything else a kid could want to do, but you've dropped, you know, nearly 500 grand on the skate park and kids don't know how to get into it, you know? Okay. And, uh, me and my friends pulled it off and it was crazy. Cause it was like, it was like literally like fighting tooth and nail with the town just to get like them to allow us the responsibility to do it. Cause it was just like, do we trust these like young youth to like responsibly do a camp that's like separate from the town, separate from the rec center? Like, hmm. is this going to be a joke? It was like, what's going to happen? And it's like, we took it serious. I was like, I, cause I knew like there was a lot of eyes on us. So I was like, and they made it so difficult for us. Like, drug us through the mud like buy insurance for a skate park that already has insurance give us a percentage of each kid that signs up for your camp even though we we're we're not helping you (laughs) at at all you know and then it's like you need to have all these other fees and it was like we were up against the wall yeah but i was like let's prove to them that this is a good thing and then maybe each year they'll like loosen the rope a little bit and make it a little bit easier for us gonna maybe at a point we'll be a they'll see we're a value Mm -hmm. and so we did it and we worked really hard and I had good skate friends with some volunteers and like girlfriend and like her friends that would show up and like give their time every Saturday morning for like a couple months. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we teach kids how to grip boards and like try to skate park out of it. But just try to have fun and just skate with kids and get Solid. kids like hanging out and like skating and talking with each other. And it was cool. And then, you know, the next year we were meeting with Cherokee and we were going to be doing them over in Cherokee to try to grow and do camps over there. And then like the COVID thing happened and it kind of like, it was like, okay, no camps. Then this year it was kind of one of those things was like, oh, we could probably get away with it, but it's a lot of work to not really know what's going to happen. And, um, you know, over that time we had kind of just started doing like just l- private lessons. Cause I just had so many parents that were just like, 
you're not doing camp? Will you do lessons? You hmm. know, like, we just want our kid to be doing stuff. Yeah. And I was like, sure, I guess. Like, why not? You know, and like, I like was not into the lesson thing at first. Like for a long time, I fought it. I was like, I don't want to do lessons. Hmm. And uh, now that I've been doing, I'm like, I'm like, this is sick. It just allows me more time at the skate park, you know? And if yeah. you get kids who are like kind of excited already about skating. <laughs> well, it's, what do you think was your like reservation against doing lessons to begin with? I think a part of it was just, I didn't grow up with lessons. And I just know that like, you can't teach somebody how to skateboard. It's like, you're either willing to like put in a lot of time, you True, know, cause like yeah. kids, certain kids I'll do lessons with them and be like, they're like, I want to learn kickflips. I'm like, well, this is not a good lesson to learn kickflips. I was like, that's something you do on your own where you're going to, you're going to try it a thousand tries. It's like, once you've tried it a thousand tries, you know, then we can talk more. I was like, I'll tell you where to put your feet and what to do. But it's like, yeah, you, you could try it for this whole hour. You're probably not going to do it. Yeah. I mean, how much can you really progress in one hour? That, that's a good point. Yeah. yeah. And I just thought so much of skateboarding was, I was like, it's just, you got to just be willing to just like mess with it, you know? Yeah. And then I just had enough parents asking me that. I was just like, all right, I'll start doing it. You know, it gave a little extra come to me and my friends who were doing, like, oh, yeah. I was, my friends were able to make a little extra money by doing lessons and we got to hang out at the skate park. And I was also selfish with my time before that. I was like, no, me being at the skate park, that's my time. Like I'm here to get some, I've already worked my other job. <laughs> this is like my release. This is my time here. True. And yeah. then, uh, I think it's another thing you just, as you grow older, you're like, oh shoot, like I want to keep giving back to this. You know, like this isn't, there is so much more. And like now I'm, yeah. now I'm stoked on it. Yeah. <laughs> and plus who's to say that like, I mean, when you were learning how to skate lessons probably just weren't available, but who's to say your mom wouldn't have signed you up for lessons if that were an option, you know? That's completely true. Yeah. yeah. That's completely true. So the landscape kind of continues to shift and evolve as skateboarding gets a little bigger and mm -hmm. more popular. And, uh, in a lot of ways, it's not a bad thing. So. Yeah, and it's easy as like you've anytime you've done something for so long that you can kind of get stuck in the old like ways. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like you know, this is how skateboarding is, and this is how it was supposed to be, and how yeah. they're doing it now is wrong. And it's yeah. like I get like you need roots and you need culture and you need certain things, but it's like it is. It's like ever changing. You know, it's like the it's like the Olympics. It's a super double edged sword. You know, it's like we're in it. There's like bad things about it, but there's also like now it's like. Anytime you go to any town meeting, you're like, it's in the Olympics. Mm. You're not providing like some kind of place for these kids to do this now. You know, we're, we're moving in the right direction, I'd say. And I enjoy it. I like to see it. It's sick. We live in like North Carolina and like there's access to so much to skate so close now. Like, yeah, I'm ashamed. Like there's so many places just in North Carolina now that are like within like three hours of me. I'm like, I still haven't been to, mm -hmm. you know, like, <laughs> I was like, that's a good problem. Dude, to I was have. looking at the day yeah. of like, I was like, like, I was like, came across that goat pin skate park and I've heard so much about it. I was like, I don't even, I don't even been there. I don't even know exactly where it's at. And I was like, damn. And I was like, damn it. There's so much stuff. <laughs> when, when you come through Charlotte, hit me up. I'm, I can probably, okay. probably get something going on there. You'd like it for sure. I know. It's a crazy design. It's got a lot of character. It's, it's a pretty wild zone. Like you, you would be hyped on it for sure. Yeah. And I mean, and all that stuff, like stuff like Robert and all those people like we're around Raleigh and like Greensboro and all stuff. Like there's a lot of stuff. I'm like, dude, I haven't been to these places. And I was like, man, I'm ashamed of that. But there's literally a lot mm -hmm. a lot of stuff everywhere now yeah which is like a, amazing you know yeah yeah super rad just from what i can tell you're like at a point now where you're able to sort of enjoy skateboarding a lot more and skateboard for yourself more so than skate for other people like companies and whatnot but with that being said i know you have had um and probably still have a lot of sponsors that have kind of like you know supported you within the last couple of years like as you gracefully age into the older generation but still continue to rip 
So who are some sponsors that are sub, that have supported you that you'd like to shout out? Dude, and, shout out Recess. Yeah. Above above it all, like that that those people, JP and Ashley, like that whole crew, like has been like just such a blessing and influence on my life, and like I'm just so stoked to be part of that group like I feel super privileged like that like came about and you know like they've helped me out with other stuff through the years you know it's like JP helps me get like van shoes and like and even though I don't really get stuff from any companies or brands now it's like they help me have access to anything that like I might need and like I'm at that point now too I was like I work like I'm down to support to buy stuff from JP and Ashley at recess like Cause I get it now. I'm in a place where I have a job. I can buy stuff, and I know I'm like it's sick to have a it's sick to have a shop. Mm-hmm. Like it's just sick to have a shop. When when I was younger, it's like I wanted free stuff because I was like kind of banking on the skate thing. I was like that was like what I was trying to go for, and I was like, so you didn't have much like resources as far as like extra money and all that stuff. And yeah, so but it's like yeah, there's been so many like random brands that have like helped me out through the years, and I'm super grateful. Like I've seen you know. Yeah, but but recess is like top of the pyramid, like the the one that stayed consistent within like the last ten years. Yeah, amen. Uh, yeah. How did that like come to be? How did you and JP and Ashley like link up? Uh, didn't have like a shop sponsor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then did, did you ever ride for Push? I feel like no. that, I feel like that would be the obvious choice just by location, but that never just came to be for some reason. Yeah, and I don't know, like, older brands, when I used to, like, ride for, like, audio and, like, some other bigger brands, like, later reps told me this, like, you should have asked for more. You should have asked for what you wanted, you know? Like, people weren't going to give it to you, like, if you don't ask. And I was always under the same pre- interpretation. In my mind, I was like, if I'm of worth to you and I'm of value, why wouldn't you approach me and tell me, like, you want to help me out or would see if I want to be involved? I think this, the squeaky wheel gets to grease sometimes, you know? And it's like, that just wasn't my style. I was like, okay. I was like, I want to skate. And if my skating speaks for itself, then like people should approach me. But <laughs> later I do feel like you got to be more communicative with people and like show people that you're into what they're doing. And like, I love all the push dudes. Like I hang out and skate with them all. But it was just like never a conversation that happened. Like I never initiated anything and they never initiated anything. And it just kind of like, maybe if one of us would have done that, yeah, for sure. Like push is sick. Yeah. Like super sick. Yeah. Um, but two guys who are part of like the Maggie Valley Calucci like snowboard scene, like the Sutton brothers, they uh were really involved with recess through snowboarding. Hmm. And uh they kinda had like you know, I knew JP through years of like skateboarding and he was like a snowboard rep for brands that we sold at the shop here, so like I knew of everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I think like they mentioned it to him, like, Hey, like Jared doesn't like have a shop sponsor. Like, would y'all be interested? Like if he wanted to, and like, they asked me the same thing as like, Hey, would you ride for recess? Like if they like wanted you to. And I was like, from day one, I was like, when they started putting stuff out, I was like, I like the look of it. I like their approach of it. Uh-huh. And it's like, they were on a shop that was just like, we're going to sell product. It was, we're going to be a part of the community. It helped build the community. As, it's not here just yeah. to sling product. Yeah. It's like. We, we we're here to shape this community because who else is just to do it? We don't have a federation like a little league federation. It's like if we, the skate shop doesn't do it, who looks out for this, this community? Yeah. Your city government officials, they're not going to do it. Yeah. You know, California companies aren't going to look out for what's happening in Western North Carolina skateboarding. No doubt. You know, 
Yeah. So you rode for recess ever since they opened? No, no. There oh, was like okay. just like a, there was definitely a handful of years where okay. I didn't, but I was like sick, like like I support this, like everything mm-hmm. they did. I was like, yeah. I mean, big shout out. They've come up in conversations many a time now, and uh, JP, like he knows, he he knows how I feel about all the work he's put into the skate park. It's like it honestly doesn't even need to be said over and over again. It's like everybody knows how how down for the culture he is by this point and him and Ashley consistently hold down Boone and make skateboarding possible in a place where otherwise it's maybe wouldn't really be happening at all you know they've kind of grown a scene from pretty much nothing and it's awesome to see it thriving and be in a good place now so big old shout out yeah shout out cool man well that's uh that's pretty much the the heavy hitter topics uh I think I'd like to it's cool with you like get into some skate rat stuff too did a little bit of a reconnaissance (laughs) i watched some of your videos there are some memorable moments um i wanted to talk about porch life you put an absolute hurting on that satellite dish at foundation the old one Mm -hmm. and my favorite part about the clips is how every time you hit it it's like rickety it's rocking and rolling it's looking pretty hairball uh Dude, what was skating that thing like, and what made you realize, like, holy shit, I can murder this thing? I mean, that's still, like, early foundation days. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it was exciting when it was like, oh, there's, like, a there's like a quarter pipe type thing, satellite dish at foundation. And, like, (laughs) for me, I was like, I want to go, you know? There's one of those at the goat pen. I know. Very similar, I know. I saw Jackson Davis do, like, disaster revert of the day, and I was like, sick. Shout out. Dude, Jackson's the fucking hometown hero more, so he's the man. Shout out, Jackson. Shout out. Yeah, yeah so obviously that was something like I wanted to skate. And then I actually had a Thrasher. I think I had a Thrasher ad of the backside nose blunt, I oh, think, shit. there. Yeah, because yep. it but got real lucky. Happened to be, gosh, I can't, I feel real bad. I can't remember who shot that, if it was Dan Hare or somebody. I feel really bad. I'm just, but somebody was there that shot photos that day because mm-hmm. I went there with Carrie because we were filming for porch life gotcha yeah and i was a photographer there and he shot these photos and i was just like hey i ride for this company that's doing ads and thrashers like if you mail this to them they, they might pay you for the photo and it, it worked out sick yeah dude that, yeah that's super rad um for the people and for me because i don't know him uh who's carrie webb and what's his what's his program how did, how did the, the full-length stuff come to be, and was he pretty much your premier filmer that you would choose to go to to work with? Uh, if I was in Waynesville, like, he did all the Red Hatchet videos, which okay, I think work. we've had, like, six or seven of them okay. over the years. But, yeah, like, he was the guy who was like, hey, take the MacBook, take my camera. Like, oh, that's Because right. he had a yeah, good yeah. mind for it. Okay. And he that's had a good right. creative eye, and he loved skateboarding, and he was he still, this day, he's a like ripping skateboarder. Yeah. you know but like he he was good he had a good eye in mind for that and like he still does to this day he does a lot of stuff for like push and brainstorm and like yeah he came out to the ramp like the other week and like shot some photos for like this like this company called swivel device who's like a guy in north carolina making these like shape boards that's a friend of mine he's like you know he's like hey you know you try to get some photos and stuff so it's like mm-hmm. he's just like he has a really good creative mind if you check out like any of his work like through push or any of that stuff or like I don't know if you watched like We Live, like the Red Hatchet, like We Live, which I think was like probably one of the best Red Hatchet videos. Watched your part when I was okay. doing my, uh, yeah. my background info. Yeah. But also I want to, uh, I, I know we already talked about Carrie early on the interview. So uh, 
to all the people out there, this is my fourth interview in two days, so my brain is fried. <laughs> I apologize for uh, <laughs> going in circles a little bit, but shouts out, Carrie Webb. Love the videos. Uh, yeah, and I feel like you've had a couple of things in brainstorm videos too, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, stoked about that. Yeah, yeah, brainstorm is a sick-ass brand. Shout out, Eric. Um, hopefully, I get to speak to him one day soon, but... Yeah, love the art direction, love the video style, and the way they're more kind of community focused because you may not necessarily be a team writer, and a lot of people in their videos may not be team writers per se. But yeah, yeah, I, I think they're a great example of kind of a small company doing it for the culture. That's right. And I've wanted, like, I've thought for so long. I was like, gosh, I was like, I want there to be the more more brands coming out from this area because like there is a lot of people skating, and it was like just to be doing like our own thing. And like, yeah, Eric's done a great job with like creatively doing things with Brainstorm and making it look good. And it's cool to have that here. Yeah. So we live. That was another Carrie Webb video. Yeah. Uh, a couple clips that stood out. Um, dropping in on that crazy indoor quarter pipe with like a death drop on one side indoor quarter pipe it looked like it was in a museum or something do you remember what i'm talking about oh yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah. the old cherokee high school all right yeah what's the story there did you break in on a weekend or something it was their abandoned high school and you know stuff on a reservation is interesting it's different than like other places oh, like the whole yeah. atmosphere of a reservation is it is it's just different and uh they had this pool in it. I probably had some clips and we live in there too. It was like this abandoned pool mm-hmm. that was in the high school. And like originally we did br- like a switch rock on it. Uh, no, that was a different pool. Okay. This one had like a deck and you would drop down like seven or eight feet and you'd land in the, a slant, huh. you know, like okay. you would land going down into the deep end. Right. Um, so you'd do stuff from the deck down into the drop. And so like, we would like kind of break in there, but it wasn't like we were breaking in there. It was like kind of already like people were like, there was ways to kind of get in without like breaking in. Yeah, you just yeah. have to go around the doors and sometimes you just find one that was like lodged. I know what you mean. And then of course being skateboarders, you're going to check out the rest of the school. And yeah. in their auditorium, they had this crazy quarter pipe that was like up on this pillar, like two stories up. So it was like, you know, it's like a two story drop, but it's a perfect like four or five foot quarter pipe. Sick. But it's like skinny and it's like definitely this like gnarly drop on the other side. And yeah. uh, when you come off the quarter pipe, you drop like off like another four or five feet to like sketchy carpet. Uh-huh. But I was like, I was like, dude, you got to just drop in on this thing. <laughs> and it's like spots like that is gone. It's like yeah. demolished now. Were you the first one to step to it? I think there was a local Cherokee kid who maybe even did it like while he was still in school there. I don't think he like rolled away Whoa. from it, but like, <laughs> dude, they were gnarly. They were Legend. gnarly kids. They didn't care. Yeah. At the old Watauga High School before it got torn down, but the same spot as the Boone DIY, there was like a massive double set inside it, like maybe a five flat five or something. There's like crazy photos of people that I know. I think, I think it might have been, shout out Paul Thompson, uh, Zion Greenville. I think they like both ollied it. And it's just this crazy, looks like it just the de- deteriorated apocalyptic school, you know, like glass is all shattered. It's dark. It's lit up just with the camera light and sailing down this massive indoor stair set at an abandoned school. Yeah. That stuff looks That's so rad. sick. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's not there forever. Yeah. You know, yeah, no doubt. So that was cool. That was a clip that stood out to me. Definitely. Another one was the intro where the little kid ate shit on the bike and kind of ran into you. <laughs> Uh, was was there anything more to that story than just what we saw? Or uh, 
we would go to South Carolina. We were skating like Greenville a lot of the time because Greenville's just good. There's a lot of spots. And we were skating with these Greenville fat boys who were like these dudes we skated with at the time. We were just like redneck skate kid, redneck skaters. And well, we had a lot of fun with them. And they, yeah, they took us to this spot. And yeah. It was just this bump and this kid just like, he went off, this little like neighborhood kid got, was trying to get rad and caught some air and he got the squirrely handlebars. Like, and I just have to be standing there and I saw it kind of coming. So I kind of like tried to like, I prepare to get blasted and yeah, his wheel just like blasted into my leg. I was like, I was fine, but he got smoked. (laughs) Completely hilarious. Uh, It's funny like how that random stuff like makes for the best clips though. You know, cause like skateboarding is like. A dime a dozen, everybody can get a skate clip. <laughs> but sometimes yeah. you just hope for that random stuff. <laughs> yeah, another really good one was the uh, vigilant civilian hero outside of big lots, maybe an employee, some lady giving you the business about skating her little uh, shopping cart rail thing. <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed that exchange because you were uh, trying your very hardest not to escalate the situation. And I think you used the terminology, well, you could just relax and be cool and everything would probably be fine. <laughs> uh, man, yeah, that, that was just a funny little, uh, a funny something that stuck out to me. Where was that spot and what the fuck was her deal? It's basically just a parking lot with a big lots in it that has like a grocery shop, shopping cart, like holder thing that people had ran into. So it like, it was, it dipped down. So it was lower than like your normal grocery shop thing. But it's like, the thing's broken anyway. You're at a big lots and you're like, I'm just literally trying to skate this broken thing. And you're like, you just want to take an issue with it just because yeah. it's like, and it just, <laughs> and you're, you're, you're such a nice and reasonable guy that it's like hilarious to think about some like know-it-all coming up and trying to tell you like what that what you're doing is bad somehow people that like it's hard like power is one of those things it's like if people have a little bit of it they kind of want to flex it and sometimes i'm like man like can't you see people enjoy it you know like we're having fun are we really harming anything yeah you were you were like look people like watching it and like pointed to the other pedestrians who were like enjoying your guys like having fun I'm okay with it. Like I've always been very vocal to people like cops or other people kicking us out. And I'm like, for better or worse, you know, like knocking wood, like I've not gotten a ticket. I've not gotten arrested for like skating and stuff like that. But like, I mean, I don't feel like I'm doing that much bad. Like, especially churches, like churches that kick you out. I'm just like, whoa, like we could be like outreach for you. Like you should like be like, making creating a relationship with us like you shouldn't be worried about this like this piece of property that's here today and gone tomorrow mm-hmm. like if you really believe what your faith says you believe it's like we're humans that you say and have like oh, eternal gosh. souls and that matters what happens to our eternal souls and you're worried about this paint on this rail before you question like making friends with us or being like hey like wow like you guys want to drink a water or like whatnot and, like i've tried to make deals with people like at churches before like hey like let me skate the rail. I'll come back to church. I'll be here on Sunday morning. If you'll just let me skate this for like five or 10 more minutes and people won't make that deal. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, it's always like churches are the ones that like bothers me the most. Cause I'm like, gosh, I was like, I spent a period of my life where like I read scripture and I'm like, I feel like you're missing the mark. Like you're supposed to be like outreaching and a part of like Christianity and a lot of other religions is faith. And I was like, you're so, you don't have enough faith in your God that if something did happen to me on your property and I got hurt, that 
your liability or me if I did try to sue you that this almighty powerful being that you believe in is not going to protect this place if y'all are doing what you know is right is not going to keep me f- suing you from bringing y'all down like that's seems like a person of little faith that's like okay. if, you, if you really believe that you believe like even if this person did fall and they did sue us like they're not going to beat us. They're not going to win. They're not going to destroy us because you're saying that like your God is in control and your control is way bigger than this. But like when you do that type of stuff, it's like you, those church people are reacting the same way regular business owners act. And mm-hmm. like those people are not your Christians are called to be different than the normal people. And when they act the same way, like that liability excuse, like you can't be here. And I was like, that's just a poor, that is a poor, poor excuse in my books, you know, for a lot of people to say that. Dude, called out. <laughs> that that was fired up. I did not expect it to go that direction, but that makes so much sense. And I appreciate you bringing that perspective into it. And uh, yeah, so basically to all the listeners, go skate to church. <laughs> I like where you went with that. Yeah. And I think I only knew that because I spent a time, like I spent a period of my life where like I read scripture and I was like, of oh, course, this is like yeah. how we're supposed to operate of people of faith is that we're supposed to have trust in things and believe that like this, this is going to be okay. Yeah. You know? And, and, that, and, and maybe those people just like see skateboarders and assume that they're not living a holy lifestyle or whatever. And maybe they're unworthy of being on these premises uh, that are held in some sort of sacred light in their heart. Yeah, you're defacing, like, the house of God. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, I'm like, look, it's clear in Scripture. It's like, this is all going to burn. This is all just material possessions. And so much, if you talk about, like, Jesus preached, it was, like, anti-material possessions. Like, you know, Jesus not even having a home. Like, not, like, it was never about things or trying to protect property, you know? So it's like when people, like, try to, pull that card i'm like dude you feels like you're missing the mark <laughs> yeah yeah no kidding um have you yeah go ahead i i, I just a random clip I, I don't know like did you know about like the me getting knocked out clip no i don't okay let's talk about that okay wild well yeah so what happened with all that the greenville fat boys they had like a backyard ramp and that's it, right do that, you, do you that know this was clip? a good one i don't know the clip but I know of the Greenville Fat Boys, and I've seen clips of that ramp, and it looks money. Okay. It looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They had a backyard ramp, and we would go down there for sessions and, like, you know, backyard party and whatnot. And we had done that one night, and then the next morning, it was hot, and we was just like, let's skate the ramp, maybe try to get a couple clips for for the gram or whatnot, and then let's just go to the lake and swim. Mm-hmm. And, uh my buddy had a German shepherd and the dog you'd like whenever we skated the ramp you'd have to like separate the dog from the ramp because he would get so excited he would just like literally chase you up and down the tranny like mm-hmm. you just he was so stoked on skating and yeah. so like they had they had like a one of those metal dog kennel things yeah and I was just like put the dog kennel on top of the ramp I'll jump up onto the top of the dog kennel stall it and jump back in and I was like let's put the dog in it because I knew the second I came out of the lip of the ramp the dog was going to jump to the top of the fence and I was like my trucks will be at the top where the dog's like reaching to and I was like this will be sick and that was like the whole that was all the thought of it was and I was just like trying to actual bash it and like got close and then like I just slipped out one time and like I just shot both trucks over yeah. The thing and like it's crazy. Like, I still remember like in my head just knowing it's like bad. Bad. You Gnarly. know you, you know, you're just free falling and that's like a seven foot ramp and I was like up another like five feet up on top of that thing and just backwards Jeez. to flat, you know. 
and got knocked out. Did not know I was knocked out until like watched the clip and I could tell you, you get that weird like twitch in your body. And I was like, oh, knocked out. <laughs> knocked out. So. <laughs> Savage. <laughs> yeah. Any, any aftermath to that? Did you have to go get checked for a concussion or anything like that? We chilled for a long time and like. I drove home or maybe somebody I was with drove, drove home and like would basically did the thing. I was like, just wake me up every hour or so, but I didn't feel bad. I I wasn't that bad. Like I was shook, but I was yeah. like, I was okay. Okay. I thought. Um, a couple weeks later, uh, the dude calls me cause they posted straight. We went straight to the gram. You know, he's like, Hey, like somebody contacted me. They want to buy this clip. And we just thought it was hilarious. We were like, sure, make whatever you can. Like, they wanted to buy it? Yeah, they wanted what to the buy hell? this clip. And I was like, sure, whatever. Like, make some money off of it. Okay. <laughs> they can make a fool out of me. You know, I don't care. And then a couple weeks passed after that, and I never thought about it again. And I was in Cal- I went to California on a skate trip, and I got a call, and it was MTV Ridiculousness. No shit. Yeah. <laughs> Was it Rob Deerdick himself? Yeah, don't wish. <laughs> Yo, random side story. My dad met Rob Deerdick at Myrtle Beach. That was a sick moment. He has a picture with him. Anyways, continue. I want to know about what Rob was doing in Dirty Myrtle. <laughs> well, he grew up in Ohio, and Myrtle Beach was like just one of the closer That's beaches true. to him. And him and his That's family, true. that was like their vacation spot. So after he was like rich and famous, he was down in Myrtle Beach. And my dad was there with a couple of his old college friends because they would do beach trips. And they saw like, you know, some hubbub going on, like a little crowd of people kind of tripping out over this one person. And he was like, hey, who's that? And somebody was like, that's Rob Deerdick. He's a skateboarder guy. And he's like, oh, maybe my son will know who this is. So he goes over and he's like, hey, you mind if I get a picture too? Not like not even knowing uh-huh. who Rob Deerdick is, but he gets a picture with them and they're like posing up, looking all cool and shit. He said Rob was super nice, which is dope. But he comes back home from his beach trip and he's showing me pictures and he's like, do you know who this is? And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. That's Rob Deerdick. Yeah. And he was like, oh yeah, sure. Shout out Rob Deerdick. Shout out Rob. <laughs> Dude, Kettering Skate Plaza, you were the first to start the plazas, no matter what else you did. Like oh, yeah. I remember taking a trip to Ohio to stop by like Skatopia and the Kettering Skate Plaza, you know? Super sick. Before there was like plazas everywhere. Oh yeah. So now you're uh, you're on your way to internet fame. You get a rep from ridiculousness reaching out to you about this clip about getting knocked out. Yeah. She was basically like, hey, there's this clip. Have you sold this clip? And I was like, you know, my buddy talked about selling it. Somebody had approached him. I was like, I don't know that anything happened. I haven't heard anything. And she's like, well, we want to use it for ridiculousness. And I was like, well, how much are you going to pay us? And she was like, oh, I don't get carried away. She's like, we use a lot of clips. But she's like, once we get through the legal stuff, you, I'll put you in contact with the billing department and y'all can come to an agreement on the situation. But she's like, in the meantime, like, just give me everybody's contact so I can mail them release waivers to use this clip. Hmm. And, uh, and then we'd send them all to her and it kind of went silent. And then it finally, like, I, I like emailed her like two or three weeks later. I was like, what's up? And, uh, she was like, uh, your friend like sold that clip to one of our other companies. So it's like, we already have that. We already own that clip. So, oh, and I was like, you know, I was like, you motherfuckers like <laughs> you, you made $200 off the clip. You, I was like, I don't care that you owe me $200. But you didn't tell me you made $200. <laughs> I was like, at least the, like 75 of that is mine. I was like, I got knocked out, you know, <laughs> but then it was like screwed us because it was like, ha ha, the jokes on you. We already own this clip because we own this other smaller company. And, 
So yeah, now you get to be ridiculous, but nah, you you win some, you lose some. And so yeah, it was on there. So that clip got aired. Yeah, huh? I think it was like an opening clip, and I didn't have cable, so like, but people would like message me like, I just, "Are you on ridiculousness?" And like, it came so like my real like real solid skate buddy, and he was just like, "It's so crazy." He's like, "You've worked so hard at skating and stuff," and he's like, "You get so much publicity for this like one slam," and I was like, "I," but I was like, "That's just how humanity is." Like, oh yeah, and I was like, "It is. It's it's wild to watch." And yeah. The fun, like not funny. It's like interesting. Is that still to this day? Like it'll show up on like say like in Instagram, like a fail army Instagram or all these like other oh, ones like corny ass. And like, I'll start getting tagged in it by people oh, like shit. here it is again. It's coming around again. And like I was never like a comment reader, but like you, you can't help but look at them. Or people, friends would tell you, be like, dude, people are hating on you. Like oh, for, ripping you apart, like that you for are skating a, with the dog that you're an animal the, hater. Oh hell, yeah! And, Sh- shame on you, huh? <laughs> dude. And I was like, knew better than to ever talk. And then, like one point, like I finally just like tried to have a conversation with somebody and just message them, as you know, because they just said like, I basically just like, you should die, you know, like that, you know. And I was just like, kind of tried to, ex- I just explained the story to them, and they don't really care, you know. Um, whatever but I was yeah. just like this I was like it was no it's not like we were being cruel to this dog this dog was in a cage for like a couple minutes this dog loves skateboarding and it's like I don't know the, the it, dog probably would have gotten more hurt if it wasn't in a cage and just running around on the ramp for you to run over you know yeah it was whatever. just like so like <laughs> it was just it's just people are interesting <laughs> yeah. so it goes entertaining stuff there for sure I'm glad I thought of this because we almost skipped over it, but let, let's hear about the uh, the ordeal with a potential tree falling on your ramp. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 you 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 pour your uh, pour your money and time and get some friends uh, some friends involved and construct this absolutely masterful one of my favorite backyard ramps in the state. Let's hear what went wrong. Just like two summers ago. Uh, the property to me had been vacant for a, a lot of years. And Sorry, the property next to you? Yeah, correct. Okay. Next to the ramp. And I, I should have worked way harder to like, get that. And I kind of tried, and I just didn't have the money to get the whole property. I couldn't get the person to work a deal with me. You know, so as it goes, these people purchased the property. And there's a lot to the story. But what first happened was there was a row of trees that separates my property from their property. The mm-hmm. row of trees are technically on my property, but it's kind of like our border. Mm-hmm. And they had this old camp. There was this old camper that was on the property that had like this old roof that nobody had lived in or been in. And like ever since I'd been in the house, nobody would take care of it. These folks bought the property and they came over there and like, they basically were like, Hey, like when your branches fall on this shelter, you owe us like, this is your fault. Like you need to deal with this. Oh, and shit. I was like, Oh man. I was like, and I was like, okay. I was like, I'll be a good neighbor. I was like, let me, give me a week to try to figure this out. I was like, you're asking for like multiple thousand dollars in tree work that I had never registered in my mind. I had not even thought about this. Like, mm-hmm. but I was like, just let me figure out what to do. Well, they start like clear cutting their trees on their property. And, uh, you know, they were just like, just some homies, not tree worker people. Um, but they were like, hey, like, we think we could do most of this tree work for us if you'll let us come on your property and do it. And I was like, sure, sure. So, like, they did a lot of stuff on the border of our property. But at the same time, they were, like, literally clear-cutting, like, this forest. Um, yeah, it was pretty gnarly. And, like, no ropes, no climbers, just, like, 
at the base of a tree just Jeez. going nuts. Like <laughs> it literally like if me and my homies just went out and started like cutting trees and like hoping they fell where we wanted them to fall. Wow. Yeah. But I was like, it's their property. They can do what they want. You know, they bought it. It's America. Like well, during all that, like I get a call one day at work and my girlfriend's like, You probably just don't want to come on home like the tree just went through the ramp in the house. <laughs> Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Dude, big old bummer. So they just blew it, huh? Completely blew it. W- was it a tree that was initially on their property that fell onto yours? Yeah. Okay. So they th- that's what was like the ironic thing. It was like they threatened me first about the trees. That Falling were on my, their shit. Yeah. And then less than, less than <laughs> five days later, destroy my stuff. Like Fucking kook alert. Yeah, uh, it was... And it's so not a good way to start neighbor relationships at all. Wow. And it's really like scary. Like my girlfriend like works from home and it was like, it took out my deck and was like literally like Jesus. inches from the house. And it's like, I mean, it crushed the ramp, like one side just crushed. Like, and knocked like, and it also just knocked the whole thing kind of like off its foundation. So it's like, then oh, you have a whole shit. another kind of dilemma that you have to deal with. And I don't know, like, I've done dumb stuff, you know? So I was like, I didn't come home and like freak out because the guy was really just like, I thought you were going to freak out on me. I was like, I mean, I was stupid, but it's like, what's done is done. And he was like, I messed up. Like, we'll make it right. Like, no worries. Like, we'll make it right. That's good. Yeah. And uh, it's so tough because like they loan, they own the local like Mexican restaurant that we like can walk to from our house and go eat at and drink margaritas at. Like, oh, so that, yeah, that's what you were saying yeah. before the interview. I didn't quite put two and two together, but I was like, wait, so do they own the Mexican restaurant and that's who put a massive hole in your ramp? They do. Okay. And that was a real bummer, you know, because I was like, yeah. we ate there and it was like, oh, cool. Like, I kind of originally thought like, okay, y'all are going to move in and they're like, we're cool. Like, you know, like we just want to party and hang out and have a good time. It's like, well, cool. Y'all could just come over to the ramp jams and like, we'll cook carne asada over the fire and like, We'll all, like, hang out, like, down, you know? And then, like, right from the beginning, our relationship just, like, just took a left turn, you know? And, and you know, so they knew they messed up. And my girlfriend told him before I even got home, they was like, just so you know, like, this is important to him. And, like, this is probably going to be more expensive than what you think it's going to be, you know? Because your ramp's all skate light, huh? Yeah. and And the way I look at it is, like, there's a lot of guys at construction companies in this county that I could be like, hey, come be- rebuild my deck. Yeah. There's one guy I trust to rebuild my ramp. Because it's not an experiment project. Yeah. You know, and it's like, this is not something for somebody who does construction to come over and be like, I'm going to cut trannies and I'm going to like, I'm going to know how to set coping. You don't skate. Yeah. You've not done this before. And it's like, once it's done, if it sucks, I'm stuck with it. Yeah. And I was like, I'm, that's not a risk I was like willing to take. I was like, I use this thing. I can't just risk somebody who's never worked on a ramp and doesn't skate like working on this thing. And like that became like a really big issue with this. Cause like my girlfriend told him like, Hey, it's a, this might be more than you think it's going to be. And like, no, it's our fault. Like we'll take care of it. And then once we started getting like prices back from my guy, you know, they kind of felt like we were ripping them off. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is, this is too much. Like we've been Googling ramps online. Like, oh, fuck. yeah, we, like we've been YouTubing and like, was there some guy in town that'll do it for like fraction of what your guys. And I was like, who is he? I was like, I'll listen to whoever, like I feel for you. But then they would just get some random kid who does some construction work. And I was like, that's not, 
fair to me. Like I'm not down with that deal. Like you can't just come here because you've watched some YouTube videos on how to build a ramp and get to build this ramp, you know? And it just like automatic. So we just had like a rift in our relationship from the very beginning where they just like, and you know, like their natural language is Spanish, you know? So when we would meet, it was like, you know, they're good at English and I don't know Spanish, which sucks, but it would make conversations very hard because it was just a little bit of a barrier and understanding. <laughs> this is so unfortunate. Everything about this I, whole story. I just, just wanted carne asada by the fire with, <laughs> with the neighborhood homies and have margaritas at the local Mexican joint. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how did this resolve? Uh, when that first happened, I came home and I was just like, Ins- "You want to deal with insurance?" And they were like, "No insurance. Don't deal with insurance." Once we couldn't have come to agreement on the price because they thought we were ripping them off, the only option was insurance. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. I just wanted my ramp. Yeah. I didn't care how it was done. But the problem with how that happened, it was like it delayed the whole thing like a month and a half because we didn't deal with insurance from the beginning, you know? So okay. it's like, okay, already I'm not going to have a ramp all summer during COVID when you can't go anywhere, do anything. <laughs> and now you just delayed it a little further after you told me not to deal with insurance, you know? So once insurance came and I explained it like, and I had like, strong conversations with the appraiser too guy before he came out. I was like, look, man, like, I don't want you to rip me off. I was like, here's the situation is I kind of look at like a doctor. When you go pay for a doctor or like a specialty surgeon, you pay these high prices because that person has gone through years of schooling and paid a lot of money and spent a lot of time to become the specialty person. And that's why we pay these people a lot of money because they're specialties. And I was like, this person is a craftsman, you know, like, this costs more because he's the only person in this area that I know that I trust to do this. So it's like, I don't, I can't bid it out to other people, you know? So like whatever he says is what he says. And I don't care what he says. Like, that's not up to me. That's up to him to figure out what he thinks the price of this ramp is worth. And, and and he's like an honest guy that you trust that wouldn't just bump up the price because he thinks he might be able to get more out of it. No, I mean, I mean, at the point he was like, look, he gave an estimate. He, he gave a worst case scenario. He's like, once I rip all the skate light off, I climb all the way under this thing, look it all over, worst case scenario, here's what it is. So he, he was like, that was like a high number and it came out a little lower than that. And once we got insurance involved, like his price was like a few thousand dollars more, but not crazy. Like it was close, but that was like his worst case scenario estimate. You know, and he did. He crawled out like under, and it's like it wasn't all worst case scenario, but it was like, yeah, it's like it was kind of knocked off the foundation, and it's like that's a really big deal. You know, there was like basically asking him to drop what he was doing, True. all his other jobs, oh, yeah. and come out like right now and just be like start working on this. And so anyway, the only way to resolve it was insurance, and then uh, it was super funny, like. Before, you know, because the guy who originally built the ramp is the guy who got to finish it and fix it. Mm-hmm. But we, we met with the neighbors who, like, dropped the tree on the ramp. And I, you know, like, I had the builder guy come over. to. I was like, just come sit with this. I was like, you need to be involved in this. This is going to include you probably. And I was like, when they ask you questions about why something's so expensive, I can't answer that. You can answer that. So I was like, I want you there. And so we're having this meeting with these people and we're just like, just, it's like, it's basically just like, you're ripping us off, you know? And he was like, there's a guy in town named Jeremy who can do this for us. And I was just like, that's the guy that's like sitting. And he's like, we've heard of a guy. And I was like, that guy is like the guy sitting beside you. Like right now, <laughs> you know, like this is the guy that you've heard about in town that builds ramps, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, but once, you know, in- insurance was done, like they had to pay and. Gnarly. Yeah. 
<laughs> but you know well they probably shouldn't have cut a fucking tree down on your ramp <laughs> <laughs> but it's like i just want to be cool with people and they're my neighbors like these are people that like you have to you live life with these people you know like you're next to them every day and it's like i want good relationships and like even mm-hmm. like having parties at my house for years like i've tried to check in with my neighbors like hey we're like we're good are we bothering you are you bumming you out like i just try to check in for the most part yeah you know yeah. Uh, any reparations to be made? Are you going to bake him a cake or something to, <laughs> well, to try to patch that rough relationship up a little bit? I should bake him a cake. I did like, I don't see him that often and I don't see the person who was like originally involved with that project at that house very much. So I don't know all the people who are at the house as well as I knew the one guy, mm-hmm. but I saw him like one day, like just like a month ago and it had been eating at me. I was like, I want to make sure that they're cool. Cause I was like, I'm cool. Yeah. I've got a ramp. I've got a deck. Like it was a rough thing. It sucked for both of us. Let's move on. Yeah. And he was like out digging around in his yard and I just like stopped and rolled down my window. I was like, just small talked it with him for a minute. And then I was like, Hey man, I was like, are we cool? And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, like just with the ramp and everything. And he was just like, Oh yeah. Like, like we're cool you know like you have a ramp nobody was hurt and i was like dude that's how i feel i was like it was it sucks but it's in our past you know and i was like i just want to make sure with cool and i was even i was like dude so, i was like so we, i was like it would be cool if like we came back to the restaurant <laughs> he's like yeah 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 that would be cool like <laughs> that would be cool and i was like all right cool man i was like you're the neighborhood joint like i don't yeah so the story, we all live and learn, you know. I like it. I'm glad that came to a, a happy ending. So yeah. Shouts out to the neighbor. Yeah. Sorry it sucked, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's rad, man. Cool. Yeah, we're, we're, we're cooking here. Uh, may have one or two more questions to get into, but we're also looking pretty solid on time. We don't want to bore these people For to sure, death. for sure. Um, all right. Th- this one's just for me, for the homies. Let's go over some favorite Boone DIY moments. What you got in the in the memory banks there? Taking the Sutton brothers up there, okay, was like always like a treat because like Ronnie would try to fire some big airs out of that gnarly steep quarter pipe with pool coping. <laughs> yeah, that thing was jacked. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Um, dude, just going up like traveling with like a group of dudes. Anytime you get in a car and you just can take a road trip for a day, go skate, meet other people have fun and be in a place like Boone and skate that DIY was like, it was good at that time. And at that time there wasn't, you know, there wasn't the shithole. There wasn't the Morganton park, you know, it was like, that was still like, a, that was a place you went and skated, you know, that was like kind of in the general vicinity of where we lived. You know, you, I just remember like them trying to blast like crazy airs. And then every time there would be a new feature, I think anytime like a place pours a new feature, like foundation Astro, like pour a new feature, like, yeah, excited to go see that. But like the, when y'all built the little China wall thing, that was a big deal. Cause that was fun. And I like, I oh, always yeah. loved that feature. All right. Shouts out me. That was my design. I cut the transitions. I planned that out. So thank you. I will take full credit for that. Fuck. Yeah. That was a good one, <laughs> dude. And the, like, I felt the same way, like that cool long, like down rail. That with- thing was dope. Hell yeah. I don't remember exactly whose brainchild that was. Maybe Riley. Shout out Riley. Shout out Riley. L- out L- love you, big it. dog. Yeah, living a pretty rad life uh-huh. out in the Northwest. Um, Dude, the 
<laughs> and I just love that. Like, if you so chose, like, if you chose so dared when you entered the skate park, you could do the little sketchy whoop de whoop concrete <laughs> path. You're like, I might get broke off before I even get in the park, but I kind of feel like I gotta do it. <laughs> that, dude, that's fucking hilarious. That that was also me and Riley just like bored one day. Like, oh, we should try that. Dude, so much fun. I, yeah. I talked about this with Alex a lot. If you just have like a property you can do whatever on, your only limit is your funds and your imagination. And fucking, we had yeah. both of them at the time. And that so much fun. Uh, big love to everybody involved yeah. in the Boone DIY. Some of the coolest years of my life. Yeah. I met so many people that like I'm still just friends with today, like love to skate out with and meet with, like f- from yeah. that DIY. Like, yeah. For sure. Dude, like in like the, the goalpost. Oh, yeah. Like Jay ripped the goalpost. Jay Heil, dude. God damn. Number one mm-hmm. big dog. Love him to death. Probably I would nominate him as my most underrated skater. Like absolutely love that dude. Big love Jay. Big love Rosie. His dog. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And, uh, dude, and, and one of my favorite Boone DIY moments was uh, you were there this day because I remember you got a separate angle of it, but... I it was one of the last days the DIY was going to be around and I had never quite I'd never stepped to the big quarter with like a blunt fakie but I fucking I was battling for the blunt fakie couldn't quite get over the mental fear of committing and I had a work shift at the restaurant and I just straight up didn't go to work I was like you (laughs) know I'm not going to work I got to get this trick and I I fucking handled it and I got it and then I was like 45 minutes late to work that day solid yeah and i remember being really hyped because i definitely looked up to you a lot and you like posted that video and i was like yes i got some love from the big dogs <laughs> dude I, I mean it always psychs me out like when people are just going for it at whatever like level they're at if totally, you, you can yeah. tell if somebody's going for it i feel that energy you yeah. know like i don't have to see the gnarliest thing i'm like i just if you see somebody like you're pushing yourself yeah a lot of my favorite people to skate with are people that are like almost more on the beginner side because skateboarding is still so fresh and inspiring to them that they get psyched up easier than someone who's already been skating for 15 years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Oh, one more thing on the Boondi. I like, I got a piece of the pool coping like at my ramp. Whoa. Dude, Nick blessed me with it. Like when it was all done, he's like, like, do you want this? I was like, I want that. Dude. Yeah. Big shout out. That (laughs) shit was awesome. Lots of great memories. Lots of great times. Damn. Jared, man, that's about all I got. How are you feeling? I feel good. Solid. I'm super stoked that you came out to do it. I'm like speaking of DIY stuff. Dude, just shout out to all the people that are doing DIY stuff. Yeah. Everywhere. You know, like and, and this is definitely shout out time. If there's anybody, anything you want to plug, anyone you're hyped on, uh Okay. Go for it. That's a lot. Um Good. I do. I always think about the DIY people. Like, I'm not always like. I definitely would never claim like I'm the one out there like get my hands dirty or know a lot of a lot about that stuff. But it's like, man, bless it. You're doing the good work, and it's like. Well, I mean, you you kind of have done that in your own right, but more on the bureaucracy side. Yeah. You know, being the you know navigating all the bullshit, you know, hoops that go into getting the skate park built in Waynesville. It's, that's no small feat. So yeah, yeah. Um. Man, there's a lot, but like obviously the the whole like Red Hatchet crew growing up up here, you know, Kevin, Carrie, Perm, Jeremy, like there's endless amounts of dude that's like inspired me from here. Being a part of Recess has been like so sick, and it's still just so sick to be a part of that whole crew of people and 
man, like all the skateboarding, like I get so hyped on like just seeing different people from North Carolina, like whether social media, like actually going to places and meeting up with them. Gosh, like all the shops that are just doing it. Just people who care, man. Oh yeah. I back it. Dude, caring is sick. I love it. Yeah. And like how we're talking, like, you know, like I know we spoke to Nick, but it's like, I want to shout out Nick because like, I felt like for a long time, I was like, he was like a connector of people who got people like skating and like was out calling and like making stuff happen, you know, like, and I got on a lot of rat trips I would have never got on. Oh yeah. Like, like we went to Wilmington, like they rented a house that had a pool that you could skate in it, like going to like the Lost Bowl and stuff like that. And I was like, he was always just very good about like, let's get in like my old great car and like, let's Dude, just see what happens. He has got the initiative 100%. Yeah. yeah big shout out Nick Sizer. That, that ethos is like, fuck yeah for me. I'm like, yeah, I want like, I want more of that. <laughs> All right, cool, man. That's a suitable note to end on. So I'd greatly appreciate your time. I think the people are going to be stoked on this one and, uh, Godspeed to you Dude. on whatever's next. Thanks, man. Let's all keep it going. Big love to everybody out there. Like, keep the fire lit and let's let's keep the stoke going. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> all right, y'all. Later. Till next time. That's a wrap on the Jared interview. The dude's on some serious role model type shit. I look up to him a lot, and you probably should too. A huge thanks to Jared for your time. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. Um, I got a few more things to go over here before you all ignore my rambling ass. Uh, First and foremost, this seemed like an appropriate episode to make a little PSA on the skate park outreach front. If you live in or near Mooresville or Charlotte or surrounding areas, we've got a public support meeting coming up Monday, February 7th in advocacy of the proposed new concrete park in Mooresville. So we got to step up and show power in numbers. So clear your schedules, call out of work, fake sick, tell your significant other you've got more important things to do than pay attention to them and show out. Uh, anyone is welcome to speak. Just make sure if you do, you come prepared so you don't sound like a knucklehead. Uh, There's a flyer on my pinned stories on my Instagram, so go check that out for details and share it around. Again, that's going to be Monday, February 7th at 6 p.m. at the Mooresville Town Hall, uh, 413 North Main Street. Uh, All that's on the flyer, but just show up early if you plan on sharing your piece. Uh, Words of wisdom. Persistence is the prerequisite to progress in the context of skate park advocacy we're talking about here that kind of speaks for itself especially from jared's end where we just heard about how he was at meetings for years and years before he saw any sort of return on his efforts Um, so in any pursuits in life the ability to push on and work hard when results are not immediate is one of the most admirable qualities a person can have in my book so we're going to keep it up keep the wheels spinning and make our world a little sicker slowly but surely as always big love to my small but loyal fan base 
I wouldn't do it if you all weren't outwardly supportive. So I'm thankful to have found something I enjoy that benefits the greater community. I look forward to doing many more episodes in the future. I will see you guys next week. Peace.